0: I'm Carol Ann Ford, and you're listening to Traveling
1: the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed at episode number 221. And welcome to the wilderness. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Well. Very well. It's not early morning. I'm the only one not suffering allergies. The table, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> so if you hear any sniffling or sneezing or blowing of nose, we apologize. If you hear any
2: clawing out of eyeballs, that one's me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yours is mostly eyes.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I sneeze and, you know, the breathing. You know, but usually that's early morning. I can get that over with. But oh. it's the eye thing. Just... Nonstop.
1: Yeah, my eyes vanishing <laughs> a lot too. My my nose hasn't been getting bad until late at night. So irritating.
2: And I'll be—I know exactly why this is. This is my comeuppance because I was not very nice to people with allergies because I never had allergies. And now you do. Um, you know, and when you work retail, people go, "Oh, boss, I can't come in. I'm sick." I was like, "What? I've got allergies." I like, Get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. That's a made-up thing allergies or whatever. And, um, yeah, I was not very nice to these people. And then about five years ago, I suddenly, I never had them. I never knew anything. I, I know nothing. John snow. I knew knew nothing. And then about five or six years ago, I just, all of a sudden somebody flipped the switch and said, you get allergies now, kid. I was like, what? (laughs) But I don't have allergies. I don't have, I've never gotten allergies. I went to the doctor for it. I was like, what is this? (laughs) Allergies. I was like, Really? I mean, I was, I was flabbergasted. But yeah, every year now, it's only for about three weeks, so it's still pretty mild, I guess, compared to what some people suffer yeah. through. But
1: I didn't start getting mine until like eight years ago, and then every spring and fall, in well, the season change, going to spring and going to fall, or yeah, maybe might be going to winter. I don't remember somewhere in fall, I just it starts kicking me. The I, the never, I never Beat get them in the
2: hind, and it's, like, well, at least not yet. <laughs> yeah, every, every spring for about three weeks, and then they go away. Mine
1: used to be predominantly fall, and then now it's more recently started being spring. Though.
2: And there's Glenn over here just smiling.
0: I get allergies, but I, they're not bothering me now. I get them worse <laughs> when I'm working outside, and that's it.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> could be a spurt on because we've been opening up the apartment. Yeah, it's been it so be. nice.
0: I did work out in the yard today with Mason, and they did kick in earlier, but mine only around for about an hour. And then
1: oh, you're time. lucky. So. Oh. <laughs> I had a <laughs> you sneeze. Thought you were going to sneeze. And it went away.
0: Oh. <laughs> that was the worst.
1: Did you guys do anything fun this week?
0: I did the hard work <clears throat> with Mason today. <laughs> <laughs> We did a little bit yesterday, too. And he's a real help.
1: Well, that's good.
0: Yep. Um, Caitlin had her play last night.
1: How was that? It was real good.
0: It's, uh... Henry and Ramona, it's based on the, uh, is that Judy Bloom or Beverly Clary? Beverly Clary, I think, wrote those. I think that's right.
2: Keith Imdiba. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't. it could be in
0: IMDb. Well, maybe it would be. I guess no, now that there's a movie Ramona and Beezus was a movie, so. I
2: want to say Judy Bloom. I could be wrong. I don't think it was Judy Bloom. I
0: think it's Beverly Clary.
2: Beverly Clary wrote Mouse and the Motorcycle, right? Yeah,
0: I think that's who it is.
2: I don't think she wrote Ramona. I like how we sit here and hum to ourselves while we try and figure these things out. With literally the internet is a step away, we could go <laughs> Google who did this and it would pull it up. If all my computers in front of me weren't <laughs>
3: tied up with podcast
0: recording, on my phone's downstairs on the charger. Notes and oh, I guess I have my phone over here. Um, anyway, it was really good. Um, we went the it second clearly. Yeah. It we went barely, the clearly. second yeah. night. We didn't go opening night, and because uh, we always wanted them to get one under their belt so that <laughs> the performance goes much smoother. No, actually that we would go opening night if I didn't have to work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite enjoyable. It's um kids from ten to f- thirteen, with the exception of the little girl that played Ramona. She probably was seven and she did a knockout job. 'Cause you have to you kinda have to really cast somebody really young because she's the youngest supposed to in the be cast. Young, yeah. yeah. So uh, bye bye. Gosh, lots of fun, and uh, all the kids did a good job. What else did I do this week?
1: Did the kids have a good spring break?
0: They did. They had a real good time off. We didn't do a lot, but
1: oh, well, you had to work. So yeah, usually I take spring much. break off, but
0: I couldn't get yeah. it off this week, so. Went to Applebee's last night after the play. Had that. You can get the. Um, we couldn't decide. We ate late because it was like nine o'clock by the time oh. we got there. We'd all had a snack before we went, but couldn't decide what we wanted. And Holly and I—we kept looking at the. Holly finally says, "Can I order an appetizer for a meal?" And I said, "Yeah, go ahead. Why not?" So we were looking at the Sometimes appetizers big enough. like, "Huh." Well, we decided to do this thing where you can build your—you can build three appetizers oh, for yeah. eleven dollars. Same sampler, quote unquote. Yeah, and then you I've can, had that as a meal You before. can add. Yeah. T- up to five. You oh, did I add know Up to that. five for three dollars or more a piece. Two dollars, three dollars more a piece. So we thought, yeah, let's let do that. We'll split, and we can just kind of you know piece on everything.
1: And that was pretty good. Did so. you get the uh, pretzel pubs? We did. Oh, those, those, were, those really were so good. good. Yeah, was, I like the cheese that comes. Yeah. Out. Uh, Applebee's is dead to me and Sarah for now Uh-oh, because they got rid of their uh, queso blanco. Oh yeah. And we that's that's one of the main reasons why we went there is we love their queso blanco and gone. Huh. So,
0: no more Applebee's. Well, there was queso blanco on our nachos.
1: So you, when we went, you could get it like on nachos, but not as because you could get it as a bowl of queso. Not uh, why, queso why didn't blanco. they give that to you I don't know. as a bowl? They still they have it. it. They know. use
0: it in their beer cheese.
1: Uh, I don't think queso blanco's in the beer cheese. Yeah. It's, it's it's queso blanco with
0: with seasoning. It
1: yeah well, yeah I was oh what we had was spicy. Oh no, what I had was what spicy. we had
0: tasted like their their. Um, Queso Blanco, with the exception of – it's, it tasted like it had – the only thing I can equate it to is they call it prairie dust at um, Longhorn Steakhouse. It's like a mm. steak seasoning.
2: Mm.
1: Huh. So. You see, when the one the time I had the pretzel, it was like this really cheesy beer, uh, buttery sauce. Yeah, this Not spice to it at all. This wasn't buttery. Huh. They must have changed stuff more since we stopped going. <laughs> yeah, the last time we were there, was it on the menu? And we asked, and like, yeah, we discontinued it. Huh. And –
2: did you get up and walk out? <laughs> we almost did. <laughs> we're like, well, we're already
1: here. We'll just order something and <laughs> <laughs> uh, We went to uh, Famous Dave's uh, with my mom and her friend Mark for That's Sarah's the birthday. Worst barbecue place oh, ever. I like, I
2: like it. Famous it. Dave's.
0: Oh gosh, it's horrible. We got the
1: we the four of us split the feast for two. It comes out on a giant trash can lid. It was pretty good. Feast for two, only two. Yeah, well, it's 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 called feast for two, but there's like four things of corn on the cob, a whole bunch of fries, half a chicken. You could almost split it between you three could, or four we, people. We, we did split it yeah. between the four people, so oh, we oh, ended yeah. up getting dessert too. But yeah, and there was still some chicken left over and fries left over. So we've done a lot of birthday stuff since it's, Sarah's birthday was Friday. I uh, do. Friday night, Sarah and I went out to dinner, and then we went to a matinee on Saturday of Cinderella, which was really good. Uh, they didn't do any of that crap they've been doing in the past. <laughs> what does that mean? Maleficent. Oh. Oz the Great and Powerful. They didn't do any of that crap. They, they well, did I don't it.
0: understand what kind of crap they've done. Oz, and, Oz <laughs> the
1: Great and Powerful was great. It, was, well, it was okay, but there was aspects of it I didn't like. The, the unnecessary exploration that doesn't need to be there. The making the villain sympathetic. Oh, I see. This was literally a straight adaptation of the movie and the story. They didn't do any new twists to it. There was no twist. It was just Cinderella, live action. And, like, a lot of the other Cinderellas, I've felt, kind of had stunt casting. This didn't feel that way to me. There was a couple of people that are like, oh, hey. Uh, Helena Bottom Carter, a bit of stunt casting, it felt like, but... She's really not into that much, so it's... Did yeah. Tim Burton direct this? No. Kenneth Branagh, actually. So that's why I was like, all right, I'll go see that.
2: <laughs> oh, it was Kenneth Branagh?
1: Kenneth Branagh, didn't did it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good.
2: Yeah. Which, uh... Actually, I think I didn't. I think you told me that, actually. Yeah. You and Sarah uh, were talking about going...
1: Uh, Stellan Skarsgård? Uh, what's his name? From Thor and Avengers and Thor 2? Uh, was in the, it? The older scientist guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. I can't remember his character's name in the Marvel Universe. Not, not even a little bit.
0: Eric, uh... Selvig. Selvig
1: yeah. He was he, he was in there in a nice little surprise. Uh, but yeah, it was really well done. They did some really nice ways to include things from the cartoon. Like the mice were still there and they still had Gus Gus. And it, I, I am really pleased with how they did it. And unlike previous like Snow White, they didn't – it walked that nice line of – because the two Snow White movies, one didn't take itself too seriously. One took itself way too seriously. And this was this nice balance. And I, I, don't, I can't imagine us seeing any other Cinderella adaptations after this one coming out because there's not much else you can do with it, really. Well,
0: I think it's it's apples to oranges when you compare Snow White because uh, Disney didn't do Snow, Snow White and the Huntress. Or, yeah, that's true. So, well, and they I didn't mean, do Mirror, Mirror either. They did do so. Mirror. Well,
1: did they do Mirror, Mirror? No, I don't think so.
0: So, I mean, it, that's yeah. kind of apples to oranges because uh, that's, that's just a different interpretation of the original tale, whereas yeah. Cinderella seems to be more of an adaptation of their Cinderella. Well, and,
1: well it's Bay and... It's not based on the Grimm's tale. It's both the the cartoon and this one is based on another version of Cinderella. Which is, they actually, unlike a lot of the other fairy tales, they stayed pretty true to that story. Because it, it does have a happy ending. It does have a lot of those elements that you're familiar, or recognize from Cinderella. Uh, some of the acting was, eh, it could have been better. Lily Jane, uh, Lily... Jan- uh, Lily James, who was Cinderella, it eh, could have been better, but Richard Madden didn't, felt like anybody could have done that role. That I know his acting chops are better than that. That's uh, I forgot that was Richard. That's Ron Madden's Stark, too. yeah. And <laughs> weird seeing him clean shaven because huh. between Game of Thrones and Yukon right, right. beard all the time. So yeah, I would highly recommend it, especially if you're a fan of Cinderella. And I'm not a huge fan of Cinderella, and I enjoyed it. Uh, and considering also like if you saw the honest trailer for Cinderella that they did it kind of rips it apart for it's kind of find a man and your life will be great. There's a better message to the live action one that is more of being kind and courageous and, um, marrying for love, et cetera. There's, they did a lot of really good improvements to it. So I would highly recommend it. And then we, uh, had dinner with my mom and Mark and then today we went to Lawrence with my dad and Carol, and walked mass and ate dinner at a new Thai restaurant, which was really good. And that was about it.
0: I'm Just about to finish *Insurgent*,
1: mm-hmm. second book I, of the, the movie version. has gotten better reviews.
0: So. Um, oh, has it? Yeah. I it just opened Friday, didn't it? Uh, that was part of the reason I rushed it's to, being well to read it at the
1: moment. Oh. Yeah,
0: that was part of the reason I read it. Uh, I in see, whereas. Divergent, the book was just kind of there for me. I did. I. I didn't think it was great, but I didn't think it was horrible. I think Insurgents better. I've just there's. I've got some nitpicky points about it, mm-hmm. but I was kind of hoping that the movie would make it better. Like Divergent, the movie made the book better for me for the first one, and uh, yeah. So I'm kind of rushing through it because I, I think we'll probably wait till it goes to the dollar theater anyway. Because I think we want to see if Caitlin wants to see it because it's on HBO Go next month. The, um, the Divergent, the first one oh, is. yeah. And so, you know, if that's the case, I think we're going to get HBO Go next month when it debuts on. It's not – is it HBO Go? Yeah, the one they finally <laughs> – the, the the yeah, the cable-free yeah, the, the cable free yeah. <clears throat> that they're debuting on Apple TV. And then uh, – have Caitlin watch the first one, and then we'll all go see the second one. Well, all except for Mason, of course. <laughs> Let
1: him go see that.
0: It's been enjoyable. I, I, I'm enjoying it. Sarah really
1: liked the second book. She hasn't read the third one because she, I guess, found out how it kind of ends and wasn't okay with it. So She never only got spoiled on
0: the third book as well before she read it. So. Or at least
1: she got an idea of what might happen and didn't like that idea. So she uh-huh. hasn't. She owns it, but she hasn't read it. Uh-huh.
0: Well, this this one this one seems to be ending more <laughs> Return of the King. Well, I know how that ends. <laughs> <laughs> this one seems to this one seems to be ending more cliffhangerish, which I don't like when they do that oh, in novels. Yeah. I can see why they do it for films, but because when I mean, I guess I'll come back and tell you next week how I feel about it. But <laughs> when, when they do that, it's just like if I didn't enjoy a book, and then you end it with a cliffhanger, yeah. then it's it's kind of Screwing the re- reader over, in my opinion, because... Come back and spend more money. I, yeah, exactly. I don't have a chance to say, well... I, I mean, I'm, I could walk away from it altogether and say, well, I'm not going to read the last one because you did that. But, or,
1: you know, I... Books well, If you did enjoy the movies. Book, the likelihood of going okay, on movies, to the third one.
0: Movies can go... Okay, we know we're going to make a third film, but they they started to apply imp, apply that to novels and books now, where they have that... Okay, the first book did well enough that we're going to commission an entire series, so... We'll do these, yeah. you know, keep you hanging for one, two, three books. And the other thing that'll sour me is if they do the last film, Allegiant, in <laughs> two parts, which I think is utterly ridiculous as well.
1: And then they'll do the series of short stories about four. Yeah.
2: I just, the whole two-part thing, I mean, there, there are times where I understand, I guess, that it, it could be necessary. But I have yet to see one where I think it is. You know? Yeah. I mean, because if, if, we all know the that there's, 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 there's things that – yeah, especially Harry yeah, Potter. You,
0: well, see, you, you disagree. You and I disagree because that's the only movie that I think I was grateful they did in two parts because there was so much to that book that if they left it out, it would have ruined it for me. I, 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 I felt they did that with Gobbler Fire. I felt like that yeah. one should have been two Two films as well. but
2: I was okay with Goblet of Fire not being... Or a being, really, really long super movie. Right. I was okay with Goblet of Fire not being because what they cut out was really the normal day-to-day school stuff and all of the World Quidditch Cup, which I didn't think... He, I mean, there was some of that in there, but I didn't think you needed more than what they gave us. I agree with you on paper. It's like there's so much in the seventh book that and, – and if you're going to use this opportunity to kind of pick up some of the plot threads maybe that you left and didn't talk about and then work them in, that would have been fine. But instead we got so much of the – we're lost in the woods and we're fighting. I don't care anymore. I hope Voldemort finds you and kills all of you. <laughs> and yes, I said his name. Um, it, 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 it just – Went on and on and on and on. And I just, I just haven't felt that way about anything. And I haven't seen Mockingjay yet, but I just...
0: You haven't seen it yet either. I can't believe I haven't.
2: I, I just... There, there's nothing out it's there out that now. makes it's me think... It's on DVD. Yeah. Even The Dark Tower. You know what a Dark Tower fan I am. Even that one, I kind of feel like if you have to take two movies to adapt that book, you are not doing your job as a filmmaker. <laughs> you're just... <laughs> and it's a thousand-page book. You're just, you're just not doing it right. There's a I'm way not, to do that. I never
3: liked the idea of how they were going to do The Dark Tower anyway never came to fruition.
0: One movie, the TV miniseries, and a movie, the miniseries. No. That's, no. I I think they're better off not adapting that at
2: all. I think they're better off just going and doing (laughs) the new series is starting and run it. (laughs) (laughs) As a TV series? Run it as a TV series. Run it on HBO. Get the money. Do it right. Yeah. As successful as
0: Game of Thrones is, I think they could do that. They could pull that off. Well, and they're already
1: doing other books with that. Leftovers was based off a novel, so I mean, it's not even based off a series of novels. So, doing Dark Tower would be pretty easy. Even Sean, AMC, I think. Sean, did you do anything?
2: Um, we had a uh, a wonderful. Um, I forget what day it was. Tuesday? No. Wednesday? No. One of those days. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been Monday. I don't remember. Uh for spring break and we went and uh saw The Kingsman.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Matthew Vaughn film.
2: Yes. Which was
1: awesome. Are they just not promoting that well? It's done over a hundred million. It looks like it's just meh, okay. I don't know. I'll check it when I get when it goes on Blu-ray. I remember
2: seeing the trailer for it and thinking, "Wow, this looks pretty good." I'd like to go see that one, and then I didn't. I mean, I think it's just—I think it's the timing. It's one of those that Uh had this been a summer movie, I think probably would have generated a lot more buzz. But because it's released in the wasteland of uh, January, you know, there's just nothing going on. It was so much fun. It was so good. It's very much you would you would love this movie because it's old school Bond. It's very much an old school Bond film. But apply the kind of well-crafted storytelling that he employed in X Men: First Class. That kind of, 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 of you know, is the, this
1: all based off original property? No, it's based it, on a comic. Book. It is based uh, on yeah. which I didn't know. Graphic
2: novel or graphic novel, pardon me.
1: That, that seems to be what he does. Um,
2: but it, it, it's got you know, with, with that kind of, it almost up, had a
1: wanted feel to it. Um, I think
2: it's way better than wanted. Hmm, it's, it's got the same kind of irreverent feel to it. But then it's got a soundtrack that rivals Guardians.
1: Oh wow! And and you just
2: you, you put all these pieces together, and it was just it's the most fun I've had in a movie theater probably since Guardians. Huh. I mean it's it's just an absolute blast. And I sat there with this big grin on my face, <laughs> the whole thing going. I hope we get another of these because it's, it's just, just awesome. Huh. I really had a good time with it. It had a real push there leading into it. There was a, near a, there near
0: was, the end, there was there a was before. just like a media blitz. No, they're like pushing a up month. to it, and then. Like since it released, I've seen nothing about it. Or <laughs> just all they care about Which, is the opening weekend. Now it, it might have been enough to yeah to drive the opening weekend numbers. They didn't feel like they needed to continue to advertise it. So good, so enjoyable, and um, I, there was nothing appealing about it to, from the all the
2: trailers I saw.
0: I thought you know that's one that I'll probably wait till it comes on DVD.
2: <laughs> well, and Will saw it and he said that was good. And that's kind of where he left it, and I, th- I think he really undersold it. I just, I maybe I was just in the mood for something, um, but I mean, we were coming off Planet Comic Con and Wrath of Khan and all this kind of you know amazing stuff. So just kind of putting that was the the cherry on the top of my Sunday. Um,
1: Still in the top five,
2: yeah. Which then came all um, terribly crashing down when I got word that a very dear friend of mine from school died this week, and so that was kind of the end of the fun part. Oh, of that's that. nice. So I've been dealing with that all week. Not been a good time there. Mason and I watched the uh,
0: KU Wichita State game today.
2: Congratulations! He, oh, should we say anything? He uh <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, was, I was
0: rooting for Wichita State, so <laughs> he was rooting for KU, which is funny because the kids, Caitlin and Holly, finally came home because Caitlin had a matinee. We all watched the end of the game, and <laughs> Holly and I were rooting for Wichita State, and the kids were watching <laughs> rooting for KU. <laughs> it was kind of funny we were going to trash talking each other but we were for the mere fact of I am a KU fan but we were for the mere fact that I think Wichita paid, played better ball this year mm, and totally. I think they they deserve hey. the win so
2: I you know I'm a KU fan but I'll I'll be the first person to say that they did not play like a second seeded team at all this year I think they were ranked way too high and Wichita State I don't think was ranked high enough I agree for as as tenacious as they've been
1: what so, do
0: they move on to now 3-16 I don't remember who they're playing on Friday though Oh we're only at
1: 16
2: Yeah <laughs> got a bit
0: longer,
1: Keith. Sorry. Uh-huh.
2: Sorry for the news.
1: <laughs> I started a new show. I I've
2: heard a lot of it's buzz about that. Like it's buzz. really, really
1: good. Of course, it. I don't want it, to. It has zombie in the title. Of well, course he's got but, but, it. But no, well,
0: I didn't want. He his... likes a movie about zombie sheep, so <laughs> the bar set pretty low. That's true. Yet
1: I don't watch Z Nation on Sci Fi and. Dropped off of Walking Dead. This I don't I did drop off of Walking. Dead. I, I did. Oh, I, I, I stopped watching after season two. That.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. I thought
1: you yeah. were
2: still watching. No, I, well, Mel and I are still watching. You need to go back. By the
1: way, that's yeah, what that's I what I, I keep hearing. I might after I catch up on Arrow.
2: Three was pretty good.
1: Um, but it's a it's kind of Warm Bodies esque, where one of the main characters is a zombie, hence I zombie, and I predominantly am against that. I just, no, that's just wrong. Um, But it's done so well, and there's such nice touches to it that I'm okay with it. And I I think it's all in the framework that makes me okay with it. And I think they're going to explore why she is sentient instead of mindless, which could be an interesting thing to explore. Are all the rest of them mindless? She's the only one. She's the only zombie. That she knows of. Period. Yeah. Well, there's another one that we find out at the end of the episode. But, yeah, she thinks she's the only one.
2: There's a zombie outbreak with no outbreak.
1: Well, there's a she was at a party boat, and zombies attacked, and she died and was completely. So there are other zombies. But those zombies just dis- kind of disappeared or were killed at, be- in the outbreak. So it kind of was a spike of an outbreak and died down, and it was, like, resolved. So it, the virus didn't spread. But she... Is has not and is sentient. But the, the, the trappings of it is she was working to be a heart surgeon. Now, because of all this, she's an ME. And that's her way of feeding her hunger of eating brains. But when she eats the brains, after a while, she gets flashes. And so she's helping solve murders by eating the victim's brains and getting some of their memories. So it's kind of this really interesting trapping and then you put on to the stylistic of it rob thomas uh which i don't know how much to attribute to him the guy who did veronica mars and it very much has some of that veronica mars feel to it with the kind of tongue-in-cheek humor There's
2: a lot of people were saying they were equating
0: it
1: it's very veronica it feels very much like it it, it doesn't sounds it, a little bit like a not as funny pushing daisies almost but it's still pretty funny <laughs> really? yeah it's 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 probably as much fun as because I've been getting Sarah to watch Pushing Daisies and we just finished season one and having just finished watching that and remembering how much fun and how much I enjoyed it. This kind of is that enjoyment level for me as Pushing Daisies Hmm. because it's not quite as serious as Veronica Mars was. And, but it has kind of the, the voiceover monologue and the quote unquote blonde chick as the lead. But just the tone and the way they write for her is very Veronica Mars esque. So it's just this great melding of things that is I find really enjoyable, and I'm going to stick with it all like twelve episodes or whatever it is. In fact, Some I enjoyed other, it so much I found the first ish, It's based off a graphic novel.
0: It's well, it's a Vertigo. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So Another I found DC a, property is what it is. I found the first five Warner brothers.
1: Uh, the first volume of the graphic novel library. So I'm going to give that a shot because I've heard it's very, very different. I'm just intrigued to see what it is, but I don't care because I like this version so much. I'm going to stick with it.
0: Pretty soon. DC is going to rule
1: the airwaves TV wise. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. I wasn't referring to air air radio. (laughs) 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 Well, you got Marvel
0: movies. No, it's not airwaves though.
1: Go watch iZombie. zombie. Anything else? Let's move on, then. So. Not a lot of news this week, either. Um, L.I. Who has announced a litany of guests, um, including Katie Manning, Joe Grant, for those who don't know, Carol Ann Ford, Susan, uh, Fraser Hines, Jamie, Annette Badland, uh, the Sladeen from the two-parter Sir and Boontown. favorite Town. episodes. <laughs> uh, Which one?
2: Mama Sladeen?
1: Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh plus nicholas briggs or nick briggs gary russell richard Dinick, uh and uh they're going to announce more later on down the line that's why you said you nicholas said Frazier, briggs right? or nick v- briggs <laughs> well they i i said nicholas but they spelled yeah it is nick. nicholas briggs
2: you said fraser Hines, right
1: yeah, i did uh-huh. say fraser Hines. so they're lining up another great convention
0: You've probably heard some of these already announced if you've been on the interwebs, but we kind of gathered them up for...
1: Since we kind of skipped news last week, a lot of these were in the last week. So, that's exciting stuff. One of these days, we'll go to Elihu.
2: That's right.
1: When I'm rich. <laughs> uh, our last bit of news is Doctor Who Legacies announced the release date for Bigger on the Inside. Whoop, Which whoop. will be March twenty sixth. So this coming Thursday? Wednesday? Saturday? what's today. What day is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't 23rd. know don't on the calendar. It's now
2: Monday the twenty third. Twenty fourth, Wednesday, right?
1: I can't pull up my calendar. Why can't I pull up my Thursday. calendar? Thursday.
2: Thursday. Thursday. It was really stuff on Thursday. It's gotta be Thursday.
1: Yeah. So new contents and Glenn can start playing again. Yay.
2: I've been playing still. <clears throat>
1: You haven't just fallen off? No.
0: I play every once in a while just to bulk up some characters.
1: Well, that leads us into our Doctor Who Legacy tip of the week. Our t- 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 tip comes from Time Lord Ben. He tweeted us, uh, Farm fragments on Chapter 2. First, if you need blacks, black hearts, blacks, uh, and the other frags, you'll get them all along the way. So if you need frags, just step through level uh, Chapter 2.
2: I've actually been applying that myself this uh, this week uh, because I have a whole bunch of people that need leveled up, so I really need pink ones. Well, and right now, and everything there's no is farming 150
3: level. XP everywhere. And, yeah,
2: and then they put that in there, so it was like,
1: bonus!
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: I think
0: it's kind of nice to have the bonus XP in all the levels. Yeah, so you can...
1: Get it wherever you play. You don't have
0: to stick to a certain area. And you saw that they're going to have a hearts farming level coming soon. Oh, I did not see that. Oh, I didn't see that one. I missed that. So that'll be nice. You won't have to go into chapter one or two. Or no, chapter two in order to get those hearts. Very cool. Thank you very much, Time Lord Ben, Ben. And that is this week's Doctor Who. Tip of the week. Too much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to feedback. Our first bit of feedback comes from Robert. Robert writes, feedback submitted. Comment question. Hello. First off, great to see all three of you in person, although not at the same time. I knew you were running around quite a bit, but they really they really had you working. Excuse me. I didn't see much get to see much of Planet Comic-Con. I think uh, on a couple of food runs, I got to walk around a little bit, but most of my time was spent at my table. It did happen in the one vendor I knew but wasn't aware was coming, and some friends came by my space. But there was a in or two that I missed seeing, and I didn't get, all the ex- uh, ex- get to all the exhibitors that I wanted to. Perils of a big con, I guess. Sean, I was hoping you'd be able to get by my table Sunday. If you'd bought a book, I would have given you a second one for free for your birthday. Aw. I feel really bad now
2: that I didn't come, out, not for the freebie, but just from the fact that I missed you. I on mean, him at the beginning. And I did. Uh, I did briefly. say I think I think I mentioned last week I saved my last ten dollars to buy a book and I didn't get over there. Sunday was just a busy, busy, busy conversation.
1: Uh, he goes on, Glenn and Keith, I hope you enjoyed the convention.
0: Uh, he said, "I hope you enjoy." Hope you enjoy I it. haven't read it yet, but that's yeah, on my list to uh, of things. To it is
1: experience. on my stack of books that's growing ever taller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll probably pick up, uh, put up a blog, uh, put up a blog post about my experience on Monday. I don't know if it'll be up before you record the next show. So here's a general link again in case you need it. To, uh, so we'll put, include that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. One word about the dates for next year: the May dates are close to when ConQuest normally happens. However, next year, KC will be hosting WorldCon in August, so there likely won't be a ConQuest in 2016. Beyond that, I can't say. Here's hoping for no schedule conflicts past 2016. Uh, Speaking of links, here's a link for the ICT Cosplay uh, Gallifrey Facebook page. It's great that not just fans of the show are networking, but other fans with an interest in cosplay are getting together to help each other and to enjoy the show through what they like. About the interview, you guys did a great, good job getting Caitlin Blackwood talking about Various and Sundry. Oh, and the selfie was hilarious. That's all for now. Like I said, I'll post up my, my blog about my PCC adventure next week. N- until next time, Robert. P.S. That pick me up at my table that's on my face on Facebook. My friend took it after I'd had lunch. If you blow it up, you can see ranch dressing still on my face. He was kind <laughs> enough to point that out after he took the shot. <laughs> after. <laughs> after he took the shot. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Robert. And again, Thanks, it was good Robert. to see you last week. Thank
1: you, Robert. Hopefully you're recovering from con. Up next in feedback is Holly.
2: Holly writes, 221, wow. Hey, guys. Fantastic last podcast. Was keeping an eye on all the posts that were going on last weekend during Planet Comic Con. And then listening to the last week's podcast rounded things off nicely. All I can say is Wow. And thank you so much for sharing all the pictures. Loved the interview that you did with Caitlin. And then the surprise near the end with Karen was great. Looking forward to this week's topic, Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly.
1: Thank you, Holly. Up next is Brittany. And Brittany writes,
0: just a quick hello, a short message to say, I really enjoyed your last podcast and pictures you shared about your adventure at planet comic-con. I just, or excuse me, I adored listening to your panel with Caitlin Blackwood she was too adorable. I loved her, no, when Karen Gillen was revealed. <laughs> I have to admit there were times when, this, when they sound very similar and not just because of their accents. Anyway, that's it for now. Until next time, I promise I will write a longer email next time. Brittany.
1: Thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. I'm glad you liked the panel. Up next in feedback, Kirk. Or as we call him, Super Kirk. <laughs> he sent a bit of audio feedback, yes. so let's give that a listen.
3: Hi, this is Kirk from Kansas City. It was wonderful to have you all at Planet Comic Con. And um, you and everybody associated with the Vortex crew are so great to have. They're wonderful volunteers. It was great to see you. always look forward to seeing you at Planet Comic Con every year as a... You know, weekly podcast listener, I feel like uh, I'm part of your club, and that you're you're all my close friends. Uh, and of course, we being able to to touch base and actually see each other and and work together at Planet Comic Con's uh, wonderful. It's a great experience, and boy, what a wild and exhausting and rewarding weekend! Uh, so many stories, but uh, mainly I want to talk about about the panels with uh, with Karen and Caitlin. Uh, so, Glenn, I hate to burst your bubble, but I was just as surprised uh, by Karen crashing your panel as you were. Uh, you'd overheard me saying something about the surprise earlier, and I think what I was actually saying was that I needed to go uh, to talk to, to Karen's people and clear the surprise appearance uh, of Caitlin at her panel, uh, because at, at that point, I, I literally had no idea that, that Karen was going to be coming to, uh, to join us uh, at your panel. So the kind of taking this thing whole, you know, from the Ra- Rashomon level here, if everybody's got their own point of view, let me tell you how it all kind of went down from my point of view. Um, I, I we were Saturday afternoon. Uh, we'd already dealt with some things like the uh, the Jerry Lawler uh, delayed flight. Need to have a fireman's brigade to uh, pass him along from person to person to get him to his panel and. Uh, various uh, minor unforeseen emergencies like that that crop up when you're you're putting together a big convention like Planet Comic Con, um, but so so I touched base with you guys uh, briefly before your panel uh, got going uh, because I knew that Caitlin needed to be uh, you know, escorted over to backstage area for you, um, and, and then after I saw that you guys were kind of up and going. Um, my thought was, okay, we're, I, I now need to get over to, to actually meet Karen if possible. Uh, I was going to be moderating her panel. i have been putting out fires all day long, so I had not t- talked to anybody. And since she was a Saturday-Sunday-only guest, had not had the opportunity on Friday uh, to make any of those arrangements uh, beforehand. So I left your area um, after I saw that you were up and going. And headed back over and thought, you know, I, what I need to do um, after taking care of a couple of other things along the way is is stop at the um, celebrity green room area on my way back up to Karen's table and make sure that, that you know, may, perhaps she's in the celebrity green room area. As I walked through... Sure enough, I could see a, a redheaded woman sitting with her back to me at a table full of people. And as I walked over closer to the doorway, it, it was Karen and her crew. And I'd, I'd actually not laid eyes on her yet at the convention. Uh, so uh, kind of a new experience for me. I walked in and introduced myself, and which is all quite surreal when you're suddenly meeting uh, a... Somebody who is only a fictional character to you and suddenly they are a real live uh, human being in front of you. Uh, it's always a bit of an, an odd experience uh, for, a, for a guy from uh, Kansas City. I don't, We don't live in Hollywood where we're bumping into actors left and right. And uh, as I talked to her and explained that I was going to be moderating her panel um, and several of the people with her kind of joined in on the conversation, um, she said, oh, great. Well, I wanted to head over to Caitlin's panel. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Or you're, you want? I actually, she said she was ready to leave, and I thought, well, you're ready to head to the to the dressing room for her panel first. She's like, no, no, I want I want to go by Caitlin's panel. I want to I want to see what she's saying about me, and I want to see how things are going for her. And I thought, well, that's fine. And I I uh, got on the phone and and called Kelly to warn whoever was responsible for escorting Karen to her panel that. Uh, that I had her, and that things were already uh, that, that I was getting her over there, and that the person who was on escorting duty shouldn't be panicked that they had lost Amy Pond. That in fact Amy Pond was safe and sound, um, and so I had people, including um, the big burly guy you mentioned, uh, David Ray, who was uh, works with the convention and helps escort a, a lot of the celebrities. He's a he's a former police officer and a a, a Hulk of a man. Uh, who, who's just a terrific guy and, and helps us out. So David was was traveling along with us, along with, um, with Karen's handler and uh, some other folks uh, along the way. Uh, so I, I took them and guided them toward the Great Hall. Uh, and along the way, we talked about what we wanted to do. And I said, so, okay, well, I can take you to the, the probably the best thing to do is go to the backstage area and you can listen into the panel from there. Uh, and that seemed to be generally agreed but as we went, I pointed out to them, I said, I do want to warn you that, that the way that they set up the, the rear projection screen for the video in the room, they have left kind of a gap uh, on the, the right-hand side of the stage uh, where if we're not careful, people in the audience will see Karen backstage and that could cause a ripple of confusion or whatever. But we went up, we went through the back hallways and we got to, uh, to the backstage area uh, and kind of looked in that way and Karen's like, oh, I want, I'm, I'm just going to go sit in the audience. And, and uh, I think all of us with her were like, you want to what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll just go. Sit. Do you think I'll cause a disruption if I go sit in the audience? <laughs> and quietly, because we're all trying to avoid talking too loud during the panel, we're all kind of like, yes, you're going to cause a disruption <laughs> if you go sit in the audience. Um, but I, I told them I would go around from the backstage area because I thought probably the door uh, th- that would get her into the to the seating area was probably uh, locked from the the direction that we were coming from, and that I would open that door for her. Uh, and I went around, I, I opened the door. In fact, it actually was was not had not been um, locked up, uh, and that's that. Then she came through and kind of uh, slid into some seats uh, in the front right-hand corner of the audience i think uh, glenn that's that's where you would have seen her and and sean i'm not sure who all spotted her i don't remember from your story but she came in there and as as she was going that direction and 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 david was kind of following over for for bodyguard purposes i stopped at the audio booth and picked up a microphone uh, so that she could have a microphone if she wanted to interrupt or or do something fun for the audience Um, and that was the microphone then that uh, was not live (laughs) and did not work when she called out. Uh, But at this point, this was all just happening on the fly. There there was no planning to this whatsoever, and Karen was leading all along the way, with the exception of me picking up the microphone, because I I just had this inkling that she might want to, to, uh, you know, cause a bit of a surprise. Um, and sure enough, she did. And then uh, when the microphone didn't work, you invited her on up on stage. And from that's where you guys pick up the story uh, in, in the mod- podcast last week. Uh, really just an amazing experience for me and, and a, a tremendous thing. I really enjoyed seeing the two of them up on stage together for the final, whatever it was, seven or eight minutes of your panel, which I think was a great, a great treat for the audience as well. Then backstage, we, uh, my concern was that I had really not prepped adequately to moderate Karen's panel. Uh, I just hadn't had... Uh, I had some questions written down. I had the Fez. I had the lightning round things. But I really had, to, had not had time to outline a full set of stuff. And I've been trying to work on it for two weeks. Uh, with, but just the crush of everything, getting ready for the convention, I would never found, you know, 90 minutes that I wanted... Uh, to really sit down and, and, and work through all of uh, the details. So my thought was just basically, how do we go ahead and move now um, and take Caitlin down, because we kind of had this idea that she would be crashing Karen's panel. But how do we get down to the dressing room and the, the lower level and, and get prepped and give me a few minutes to get ready for the panel? And so as we were heading out to go down there, several days later, just this past week, I realized the great opportunity missed of the words that did not come out of my mouth as I had everybody follow behind, which was, come along, pawns, and I know we'll never have that chance back again. Uh, from there, I think you guys were all all with us as we headed down to the dressing room for the, the ballroom, um, and then uh, the the exciting events for us, I mean, well, besides the fact that I got to go up on stage with Karen Gillan and interview her in front of a room of nearly 3,000 people and Standing Room Only, the largest gathering of uh, people at a Planet Comic-Con panel ever. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, but the, w- when an audience member suggested that Karen put on the fez that I had used for the lightning round uh that was pretty cool because that's my son's fez he he got that for christmas one year after the 11th hour uh or rather the big bang i guess when um when matt smith wore that and he he wore that fez pretty much for a year everywhere but school and bed and the shower uh, and uh so you know it's, it's it's kind of a very personal and cherished item of his and to see that karen was now wearing it and then towards the end of the panel and I'm going to have to review some of the video that was recorded of the panel. At some point, and I'm not sure when, it switched over and Caitlin was wearing the fez uh, after she had crashed Karen's panel and come up on stage for the last few minutes of that. So uh, my son Patrick, who unfortunately was not at the panel, uh, so he didn't see it, but still he had this very special thing that his fez had been worn uh, by both Amy Ponds, And then we managed uh, after the show... Uh, Well, Actually, on on, on Sunday, we had taken his fez uh, to Karen's reps and asked if she would sign it for him, which she had, and then with the idea that we'd have Caitlin sign it uh, the same day. And unfortunately, uh, with fighting fires the way that things go, uh, the day wrapped up and and Caitlin had left the facility before we got around to trying to get uh, the fez signed by by Caitlin. But as it would happen, uh, we needed to go down on Monday uh, to the convention hotel and have a post-show meeting with a lot of the Planet Comic Con organizers. Now we took the fez with the idea that perhaps we could leave it at the front desk with a message and, and, and see if we could have Caitlin sign it. Uh, when we went into the lobby, the first thing we saw was somebody was using uh, a, the computers, the guest computers down in, in the lobby, and it was the The woman who had been with uh, Caitlin and Caitlin's mother throughout the show, who I understood to be Caitlin's aunt, uh, one, of, one of Caitlin's mother's sisters. And we uh, said hi to her because we had met her during the show um, and it explained that we had the fez and She's like, oh, that would be wonderful. There's no problem. Everybody's still asleep up in the room, but I can take that up and we'll, we'll get that signed. And it wasn't until... Later during the meeting uh, that we were having with the other organizers, that as we discussed this, that it, that we realized that that Aunt Marie, uh, Caitlin's Aunt Marie, uh, is actually Karen Gillen's mother, and so we'd been interacting with Karen's mother throughout the show, thinking that she was Karen's aunt <laughs> rather than Karen's mother. Uh, but in fact, now we have uh, we we stop back by after our meetings and and doing some other things at Partle Hall, and sure enough caitlin had signed it uh the, the the front desk uh was was manned by people who obviously have some awareness of doctor who the the young lady that we were dealing with at the front desk was just uh giddy that she had uh had the opportunity to uh to work with karen and caitlin and uh she understood the uh the importance of the signed fez and was uh said that when when she was working with uh with Karen that at the front desk that she was trying to remita- remain or retain her professional composure but had been uh unable to form words <laughs> so uh that was all a great experience and I will um I'll send along a photo of Patrick wearing his uh signed fez and now his uh you know his fez that used to sit on his uh bedside or bedpost Uh, now needs to have um a special uh covering we're gonna have to go out and find to like a uh, to michael's or a sports merchandise thing and find like a a football case or something that the fez can sit in because it's now uh beyond a cherished item Uh, so anyway that's just my end of the story of uh the two amy's uh once again Uh, love the podcast glad that you guys can be a part of it Uh, you've also brought a ton of cool people in like Matt Quick who you mentioned last week uh, and uh, that that are all just a a wonderful part of the Planet Comic Con volunteer group look forward to it and I'll be listening and uh, thanks for everything guys well, thank you very much, Kirk. Thanks, and Kirk.
0: I, I do want to say that that's one of the more joyful bubbles to get popped because um, <laughs> that's even cooler that it was Karen's idea yeah. to crash our panel, and it makes it even more impromptu. So it's kind of cool to hear that I misunderstood what the surprise <laughs> was because it sounds like the surprise was just Caitlin going to Karen's panel, that none of that was planned, and that Karen actually came up with the idea to crash our panel. So. Very cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: We're just
2: that classy. <laughs> she was all like, no, no, no. And what no, a great no. treat We've for we your... got to go see this. Yeah. That's what that was.
1: Yeah. Well, it, was, it was about us. Not, not, really <laughs> I <right. not> <laughs> yeah, <I'm not> <laughs> And what a great treat for your son. That's yeah, really
0: awesome. it is very cool. A double signed fez.
1: Very cool. Thanks again. you're going to have to get him another fez so he can wear one. Because <laughs> now he doesn't have a fez to wear. <laughs> all right, Who's next? Our last bit of feedback comes from Chrissy. Chrissy writes, 10 years returned, dear Vortex Boys. I'm typing to this, typing this to you on my new iPad, and I'm still getting used to it. If okay.
0: keeps reading this with his new eye <laughs> mouth, so he's just getting used to it. <laughs> I a
1: zombie. If there are any major typos, just blame it on that. It's a pretty fun gadget, and Doctor Who legacy looks gorgeous on this screen compared to my iPhone." And there's a Doctor Who Legacy tip of the week for all you. Buy a $400 iPad and bask in its prettiness. <laughs> uh, love That's
2: this week's Doctor Who <laughs> Legacy
1: tip of the week. iPads. I loved all your Comic-Con stuff last week. The impromptu To Amy's panel was fantastic. Glenn, you're a really good interviewer. You had a lot of great questions and you kept the panel going. Keith was good at that too. And I enjoyed John's quips and Caitlin Blackwood, but he did... But, did he pass out when Karen Gillian showed up or something? <laughs> I just noticed a lack of Sean. Yeah. <laughs> I just noticed a lack of Sean during that portion of the panel. Ha ha. No, I'm joking around. It was a great panel and all around. It was sounds like you had a great had a good time.
0: Well, thanks for saying that you know we were good interviews, but you know, it's not my first rodeo, because <laughs> I've actually been a journalist for about fifteen this sixteen years. So I've, a I've been interviewing interviewing people. For a people. This is just yeah, kinda.
1: It is a bit different. This is being like an Yeah, this is is a is take, being on a stage and interviewing people in public. Yeah, a Celebrity that you don't normally we don't interview celebrities. That is true. And Sean sounds
0: like he disappears because. He was the um, gallant one who gave up his mic and seat for Karen. So Sean actually stood for about ten well, minutes on stage.
1: He had his mic for a little bit, and then I took it from him and asked a question.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you gave up your mic. He gave up his chair. Yeah, yeah. And then, but but uh, Sean stood behind Karen for the rest of that panel so and was gobsmacked. That's why he didn't hear a lot. I, I was pretty gobsmacked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> had I had a microphone, you would have heard. <laughs> 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 and
0: drooling, and it was on the mic. And anyway.
1: Uh, she continues. All right. Discussion of the 10th anniversary of New Who plus the wilderness years. Frankly, I don't think the wilderness years were very wildernessy. Sure, Doctor Who might not have been on TV except the TV movie in 96, which we all love and rightly so. There aren't so – but there are so many novels and comics that fill that gap, not to mention Big Finish coming up on board to add to the piles and piles of Who-related content that we have avail- available. I mean, you could re- you could literally never run out of Doctor Who to read, watch, or listen to. It is impossible to do. Anyone who says they've experienced every Doctor Who story that out there there is out there is either lying or they have, they own a TARDIS. I think that is one of the in- things that appeals to me about Who. There are an infinite number of possibilities for storytelling and they keep finding ways to keep it interesting in any medium out there. Big Finish recently announced that they'll be celebrating their 200th audio play in the main range with three stories that pair up the 5th, 6th and 7th Doctors with companions from the 1st, 2nd and 3rd Doctors. Just to give you another example of the creative ways to keep coming up with stories. Just when you think they've done it all they find ways to surprise us. Anyways... I'm glad we have Doctor Who on TV because otherwise I probably would never have found it or any inkling to look for the classic series or Big Finish or any of that stuff. I don't know what else there is to say other than, yay, 10 years being back. And hopefully we'll have many, many more. Talk to you later. Chrissy sent from my iPad.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Chrissy. Thanks, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy.
0: Well, we're going to talk a little bit about those wilderness years this week, and they lead up to the relaunch of the television series, and we thought we'd do something a little different this week. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk about those things that Chrissy alluded to that sort of felt that filled the gap between 1989, and then of course the 96 film, and then again until 2005 when uh, uh, Rose appeared on the airwaves. Doctor Who on TV for the first time in a long time, yeah. <laughs> nearly nine years for uh, Doctor Who between '96 and 2005, and I, I think when people refer to them as the wilderness years, they're they're talking about the idea of that just that that hole, that vacuum on television, because when you had a television show that had run thirty plus years already on television in the UK the United States was still fairly new to Doctor Who because it only started running in the United States from the late 70s, very late 70s, and mostly in the 80s as, as uh, the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th Doctors Run finally hit our airwaves thanks to PBS. Um, but that vacuum was created there in that, that downtime, especially p- between 1989 when the series goes off the air and 1991 when Virgin, who had bought up the entire catalog of the Target novelizations and were, I think at that time, even republishing them uh, so that people could get their Who fixed because there was that two-year period where fans were kind of in this hole of, are we going to get Doctor Who back? Because the BBC was making promises at the time that, yeah, we we're we just taking some canceled. time it's off. It's not canceled. It's on hiatus. We're taking some time off. and
2: I don't think it was ever officially canceled. No, I did not they, they, yeah. <clears throat> they never came out and said, yeah, it's done.
0: At one point, the controller, not Michael Grade, because he had actually moved on to uh, ITV, I believe at the time, and I uh, the, I forget the gentleman's name, but
2: the controller that actually
0: killed Doctor Who was not Michael Grade, as a lot of people oh. are, are misinformed. Michael grew, uh, Grade had a distaste for it, and he was central to the debacle that happened in the middle of uh, Colin Bacon's Baker's era, where mm. it did go on hiatus for like 18 months or something yeah. like that. Um, but uh, there was actually a new control at the time. And, and the BBC, the, the powers of be, you know, as Sean said, it was never officially cancelled. But fans would continue to write to the BBC and when they would get nothing, the editors at DW, uh, Doctor Who magazine, were kind of the sounding board for the people that were frustrated that it wasn't coming back. Well, fortunately, the publishing company Virgin which stepped in and started what we commonly refer to as the Virgin New Adventures. That's kind of the, the easy, quick way to say it. But it was actually called Doctor Who, The New Adventures. And it featured Seventh Doctor and Ace, and then went on to build companions beyond that as well. But they really were kind of the, the first real jump in there and grab, they, they got the license from the BBC, and they were able to kind of take off and, and, and write more stories and continue stories. And I think as I alluded to in the reviews of the first four books, which I've read, because I've only read five of the new Virgin New Adventures, uh, anything in the series, but they, they took a, a much older, darker, grittier, edgier tone. They yeah. were They were more geared towards the fans that had now arrived in adulthood. And they were writing more, and they had more um, like sexual references and more adult themes, and they were darker. And, and uh, in fact, they, they garnered some complaints from people because they weren't kid-friendly enough. Mm. Uh, whereas Doctor Who had spent thirty-some years with, you know, aimed at children, the Virgin New Adventures were essentially <laughs> aimed toward those fans that were that had grown up with Doctor Who were ready to experience, you know, more adult themed storytelling and that's where virgin filled that that uh, hole. And so <coughs> one of their answers to that was to create the missing adventures, which then was its purpose was to fill in the gaps between the prior six doctors. So the stories that you find in the missing adventures for the most part <coughs> were taking place in between television stories and the idea there was to cater those towards a younger audience that, and they would be more in line of the <coughs> television series, but they never really got back as soft as the television stories where they, they were, were still, still telling some darker and, and edgier stories. And I think that comes about because of the, um, the way that the virgin new adventures were going, they, uh-huh. they were still keeping that kind of tone and feel. Oh, and I'm
1: sure they were using a lot of the same authors. Oh yeah. And so when yeah, they're the right. Doctor Who, they have absolutely. that tone and feel in mind, so they try to scale it back, but absolutely. obviously not as much as they could have.
0: And uh, of course, you know, we we got some some of the the, the, the greatest. Right, we had Mark Platt, who had already worked on the series. You know, he, he had he had been in, uh, he'd written Ghost Light and. Was there something else that he'd written?
1: I think that was the only one. And
0: then you had somebody, you had people like Andrew Cartmill who had uh, s- uh, supplied some of the new adventure stories and uh, writers like uh, Russell T. Davies, who would uh, later become showrunner and be integral, obviously, as we all know, in bringing Doctor Who back in the airwaves. Um, but you had a lot of those writers that were writing in those days, Gareth Roberts and,
1: and, yeah, and Paul Cornell. Paul Cornell.
0: Went on to work they, on So... These guys were not only fam- these guys were not only people that had worked on the series proper when it was still running in the nineteen eighties, but it was also a lot of the people that I think you can call them fans that really kind yeah. of kept that going and felt feel, at least filled that little bit of the of the hole that was left with Doctor Who leaving the airwaves, and uh, we. We as you say, we turn around and we get a lot of those writers again uh, today and moving into other areas like big finish yeah and and another one was well. uh
1: Mark Gatiss. yeah well that Gatiss. was the very first thing he ever had published was a big uh, new adventure new adventure Audio, novel. Or, uh, novel yeah
0: so that was um that was certainly one of the two of the the elements that were uh working in favor of keeping at least Doctor Who out there. Keeping it on the minds of fans, it was something for the fans to grasp onto. I think the other thing that was integral to that time was the um, Doctor Who magazine was yeah. still going very strong. And as I said, it, it it kind of it kind of served as a sounding board for those fans that were getting frustrated. In fact, there's a lot of that of, of Doctor Who magazine from about 1990 to about 1993. That really is is almost poignantly directing their comments and their 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 frustration. It's not just the fans now writing, in. it's the editors of the editor <laughs> and the the writers of Doctor Who magazine who are really kind of pointing and saying, "Okay, well the BBC the BBC obviously isn't bringing this back, and the, it's it's tragic that this isn't happening." But that ends up spurring um, a lot of the, I think the creativity that, that that we saw in Doctor Who magazine over those years as well, because. Fortunately, at that time, Doctor Who magazine had been doing stories and been writing stories and been writing comics during the years that it existed prior to the series Leaving the Airwaves. But it also was kind of the the, the springboard for the new adventures that the Doctor would see within the pages of Doctor Who and the comics in the stories and some of the things that were coming along there. So it's interesting. I, we're not going to talk about continuity and, and <laughs> or, or even canonicity today that's a that's a that's a topic for an entirely other <laughs> podcast but that's certainly what it did let start it jotting did, your ideas down it now it did certainly <laughs> splinter the hooniverse as as such because it it did kind of not work well within a continuity or they, any sort they of. Conflicted yeah. Yeah, they conflicted sometimes. It conflicted quite a bit, as a matter of fact. And sometimes Which is interesting
1: because Andrew Cartmell even went and worked on some of the comics. He wrote some comics yeah. for the magazine. Well, so it's, it's kind of interesting that there was. A, Conflictions.
0: It's interesting that there that I think there were times where they embraced a lot of the history and they, they, they used a lot of the history. The thing is I think they weren't really communicating with any within the the, uh, the groups. They weren't mm-hmm. really saying we're going to They were gonna do this. You know, there was yeah, nobody yeah, holding that, that yeah. continuity. And so while there were there was there is continuity within all of the splintered uh, Stories that are being told. Well, not even so much that. But what they're all doing is they're borrowing back from the things they like the best, and that becomes the continuity. And then what I find interesting is that later on, everything kind of starts to try to merge again, (laughs) and they start to kind of retcon each other and themselves, which is is something that happened there. (laughs) Those and 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 we find that happening today because a lot of those writers that have moved on to the new series are making comments. I mean, uh, we've, we've had Moffat that has acknowledged uh things in the in the novels we've had, and and in audios and and things like that over the years, and they're kind of using that spurring that back so it forces the fans to kind of as Chrissy has coined the phrase and she probably borrowed this from somewhere else but i I give her credit because this is where I got it from within the fans head canon that's what <laughs> yeah that's where they they come up with their, their it's theme, interesting
2: so. too because i I don't think. Other than the idea of the Doctor and the companions and the TARDIS, Doctor Who is not a show that's exactly known for canon. <laughs> for, for, it's not con- for, con- no, for yeah. continuity. Pardon me, not for canon. Because it's, I
0: think we can argue that it has been said that if it aired on television, it is part of canon. Correct. But but yes. I think I think
2: we've got that. But can um, what's the other word? Not canonicity. You just said it. Continuity. continuity. Thank continuity. you. My brain. Uh, but as far as continuity goes. It's, you know, just a show. And what are we, we going to do this week, Brain? We're going to do this. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> Nobody was going, well, didn't <laughs> so we already we blow up week, that planet in, you know, episode take five? over the world. We just, we just roll with it. I mean, we talked earlier. How can we there did be two
1: different Atlantis? <laughs>
2: yeah. We, we talked at one point about how many times the Earth has been destroyed by solar flares. Right. I mean, it's just it, right. It's,
0: it, it it happens,
2: you know. And I think if you were to ever actually sit down and write the official continuity <laughs> You go nuts. There may be one guy tried and he's in an asylum somewhere. I mean, that's why even on the website, it's the official discontinuity guide because you can't do it. And I think it's probably not until probably some later '90s shows like Star Trek The Next Generation that kind of came along and finally shoehorned fans into this. This is how it must work. And we kind of got it, I think, from there that this is what's – because even Star Wars didn't have that for a long time. Well,
0: Yeah, and I think that that's probably the springboard. But I think that the, the one group that did it well was Lucasfilm because what they did is they had Pablo Hildago come in and he became the continuity guru. He was the one that kind of shovelled everything in and said he had to be the point man. They said if we wanted can we do this and he would go look through all that. See that didn't and,
2: really start happening until 91 when Air to the Empire came out. Once they launched the, the book once, lines, once they started the novels that, that was right. I think
0: that Star Trek was the springboard but yeah. even in the, the novels were a mess and and, and uh, Star, Star Trek. Trek there was no continuity yeah. in, the, in the novels. No, it no, was no, the not te- at it all. was television still, and so a lot of people were adhering to that television idea. And but was- that was
2: that was also a direct edict from Paramount saying if it's on screen, if right. it's canon. Exactly. If it's not all. Bets That's what I'm are saying
0: though. I think Lucasfilm kind of tried. They, 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 they were, opened they the made, umbrella. They yeah. made the best attempt yeah. at, at it. I think. So what they, you know, what they, and they, by you know, sorting things into arcana and sorting things into, well, you just don't necessarily remember it the same way when you're retelling a story and that kind of thing, and they cleverly, you know, worked it into a quote-unquote quasi continuity, and then threw all that out the window when Disney <laughs> <laughs> bottom. But anyway, that's neither. That was,
2: there. But yeah, there's there's a lot of of just you know. Doctor Who is what it is, and I, I, I don't think you can ever necessarily enforce the same guidelines that govern some of our other shows that yeah. we love into, onto this because it it, it, it's such a different template. I don't think it it works.
0: I don't think back in the day, though, that fans had that yearning for continuity that we do now. That's true, oh, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, think some of that
1: comes from Star Wars and Star Trek coming along. Yeah. And, and when there's them no Doctor Who
0: at all on TV you're really just kind of clamoring for anything you can get. You and I don't think it really mattered to fans at those times. That, it was just more. Yeah, it was yeah. It was a continuing story in the comics, it was a continuing story in the novels, it was a continuing story when you can almost, in some of the fan films and that we're then, borrowing from when those. they're
1: in the different mediums, it's almost a little easier to keep them in their own little pocket universes of their own continuity and keep them separated, as opposed to mixing it all together.
0: And unfortunately, until that spigot is spraying everywhere, yeah, do you realize <laughs> that you need a gutter in order to kind of find <laughs> everything back in and i think that that, that they well, tried to do, do that and, later and i think even fans as as we talked about hitcan i think fans try to do that in their heads and yeah, a lot of people could unresolved. choose their
1: line they wanted to follow of, okay i'm going to stick with just the novels and that's what's going to count and i'm, I'm not going to pay attention to the comics so you can pick and choose also right.
0: and we'll talk about big finish in a little bit but it doesn't it also doesn't help that big finish early on acknowledged that anything that had happened when the bbc actually took the license back in 1997 from virgin and Virgin had to then go off, and, and fortunately, they had created some characters of their own, and they continued on with uh, Bernice Summerfield. But when BBC decided they're going to start doing the Eighth Doctor new adventure or the the new Eighth Doctor adventures, what happens is Big Finish comes along, and they get the rights from the BBC, and instead of working together, BBC or I'm sorry, uh, Big Finish early on acknowledges that well. We're going to say that the the things that happened in the in the Eighth Doctor adventures are kind of a side universe, and this is what <laughs> we're doing with the Eighth Doctor. So that doesn't help when you've got then <laughs> two defined parallel lines running side by side. That eventually, at some point, they tried to merge them back as well, but, but, unsuccessfully from from what I understand as well. But but speaking of who on television, we did get some who on television, and, and there were several attempts. Yeah, there were some attempts, uh, including a a. Attempted at a uh, multi-doctor story in for the thirtieth anniversary.
2: Yes, the Dark Dimension. This was um, wow. Where to start? There, there, there was an attempt to do the Dark Dimension, which was going to be a massive. 30th anniversary celebration of all things who all rolled in one. It was ambitious, and it called for, we're going to get every companion and every doctor and every this and every that and all the villains, and we're going to do it right. And uh there's a treatment that uh if you're diligent and, and do a little searching out there on the interwebs, is probably still floating around. Um, it's pretty readily available. And um, they actually got down to a script. They have a script that, that exists for it. And uh, who was it that pulled the plug on it that, that was... The BBC, the BBC. Just, they, 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 I think they took one look at it, and went, "No, nah. yeah, no, no, we're, we're, we're not going to." Well, do
0: that. It, it sort of goes back to that idea of the the big wigs at the BBC didn't feel that Doctor Who was viable, and even though I think that was probably an ambitious project that was being pushed along by a lot of the lower end. And the upper end was saying, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and work on that, go ahead and work on that, just to kind of get them out of their offices. You yeah. know what I mean? Leave me alone. Yeah. Could,
2: why, why are, could, we, could why are we celebrating an anniversary for a show that's not on right now? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't get it. But um, it, it certainly is, speaking of, of, of all these uh, you know, different continuity things, in my head canon, there's a what-if universe that this thing got made. <laughs> because I'd really like to see it. A
1: Big Finish could
2: do it now.
0: They could oh, yeah. do it in audio now. They really could. They've they've they need gone the twe- back,
1: make some tweaks to because I think it originally oh, had John Pertwee, so they need to make some changes. They've
0: but- gone back. They've done um, well. It, in fact, they've got the the guy that did the voice of Pertwee in oh in the, light of the end, uh, light of the end. He they're actually releasing a short trip um, story with him voicing the third block doctor as well. Apparently, he's that good. So. It's still
1: possible, it's still
2: and we doable. know we've got yeah. Fraser. Frazier. he yeah. can do. He <laughs>
1: <laughs> Although, was the second doctor involved in it? Or had um, Patrick passed by that point. I think he's saying no. He, I think but, what but he's saying could, is there's
0: a, there's opportunities now. To do yeah, to no, even he, more. He yeah.
2: had uh, he had passed, I believe, by the time that was that was done. Uh, the first and second doctor, uh, both William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton, were gone by the 30th anniversary. But they they were they, they were I I haven't read the script myself. I don't know the, the ins and outs of dark dimension, but I know that it called for at least some sort of reference, well, kind of like it, the five it, doctors. It would have brought they would the and, yeah. well, and they may have even recast. I don't know. Like I said, to the mm-hmm. extent of how much that doctor was in, like they did with the first doctor in, yeah. in the five doctors. Um, but there were plans definitely to do something and, uh, it just went, never really wound up materializing. Um,
0: Jonathan Powell was the controller at that time.
2: So who there's, there's who you go spit your venom at. <laughs> <laughs> um, but instead, we got Dimensions in Time. So instead of a full-blown, genuine episode of awesomeness, of, awesomeness, of, of potential awesomeness, we don't know. It may have been a stinker. It may have been the final nail in the coffin. Maybe in that alternate universe where it did get released, it was the end of Doctor Who as we know of, <laughs> There was no revival, um, which means we wouldn't have Doctor Who the movie, and I can't live in that universe. That yeah, just, no. It's not going to happen.
0: Well, could it have possibly been better with what they ended up Doing instead of dark dimension, could it have been better than? Uh...
2: I don't know that it could be much
0: worse <laughs> than, than
2: than dimensions.
0: Of course, in we're time. talking about dimensions in time.
1: Dimensions in time Which is for charity, as opposed to an anniversary episode. So yeah, it's, it's kind of it's a little bit of apples and oranges it's, it's, to it's, some it's extent. Yeah,
2: it's a little two part. You know, ta da here, and you know, much of the same idea. We're going to do something to celebrate it. We're going to work in all the doctors and all of the companions that we can get our hands on. Um,
1: and Rachel will count it as continuity because it pairs six and the brig together when they don't get to be on the screen. Otherwise, and there are,
2: there are definite things that I would like for my headcanon to include it. There, there are definite moments in there that I think, yeah, I'm okay with this.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: There's a lot of other stuff that I'm not
0: okay with at all. <laughs> the thing is, I where I come down on Dimensions of Time, I have never panned it as bad as you. And I think he, Keith's even quite down on it often. But
1: I, I bounce back and forth.
0: To me, it is every living doctor involved in a project and every That's companion that they could it. muster. And it's a fun story. Even though. If you can turn
1: your brain off and not think about it and just enjoy the images that cross your mind.
0: Even though linearly it's a horrible story, there's nothing there, it has no substance. It still, to me, has that special place in my canon because. Obviously, the sixth Doctor pairing with the Brigadier, finally. And all of the little wonderful nuggets of it make it just pleasing enough for me to say, you know what, it exists. It's not something I'm going to sit down and watch every day, but it's something within Doctor Who that at least, again... Lent to keeping Doctor Who on the minds of fans and yeah. appeasing fans at the time. That's it, it, the most it, important
1: thing. It about- is
2: the Doctor Who equivalent of the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> it is an abysmal story that has nuggets of awesome in it. Yeah. I mean, and and, and that's really, where that. would I have preferred just a 30th anniversary retrospective a la Cheers 200th episode with let's just get well, everybody on we stage. We did get 30 years in the TARDIS. Yeah. We did get 30 years in the TARDIS.
1: Which didn't air here. Right. No, right. not
2: until uh, the VHS release, if I yes, remember correctly. Correct. They the, never, the, which I which we still haven't watched. No, we still, haven't, no, we still haven't
0: done that. Yeah. I've watched it.
1: Because it's on Shadow, right? It is on
0: Shadow. It is on Shadow. And it's it is so now the it's on VHS the release. release yeah. So
2: yeah.
1: We should probably do that at some point. We should sure. put that on there. But fortunately,
0: you know, the <laughs> BBC <laughs> did finally make an attempt with a little prodding from Peter Skull or Siegel, however you say it. Siegel, the name. I
2: think it is. A, yeah. Um, the, the development hell is probably the best <laughs> way to describe the early years of that. But, uh, after the kind of abortive attempts to do anything for the 30th anniversary in 93, um, uh, uh, Peter Segal was very adamant that we were going to do something. We're going to figure this out. And I want to bring Dr. Who back and through a long litany of, of other studios and producers, including Steven Spielberg, who expressed interest at one point in time and was attached to the project. Uh, we got Dr. Who the movie.
1: Yeah, Which we love.
2: Which was intended as a
0: uh, backdoor pilot to... Well, it's not backdoor, no, it's a pilot. It's a pilot. To an a American-produced series that would also still be in conjunction with the BBC. And Doctor Who would return to the airwaves after a glorious response to this film that was going to be bring Doctor Who back to a television. huge success in the U.S. and the U.K. If they hadn't scheduled it in the U.S. opposite of Roseanne <laughs> Barr, yeah, it sounds like season it was, finale.
1: It was a lot of uh, Fox's decision Roseanne. not to uh, pick it up as a full series, but and because it sounded like the BBC couldn't really afford it. It should, it should yeah. be, it should be noted
0: that that the, the movie, despite some of the complaints from fans, the movie did really well in, in the, UK. the UK, yeah, and the BBC would have backed a. Even an American-produced continuation of the series, but unfortunately, most of the financing was coming from Universal, and the BBC knew that. And with the with Universal backing out and Fox saying, "You know, we're not going to pick anything up and continue this on," and Universal saying, "Well, it just didn't. It's not generating interest here. Yeah. Unfortunately, it falls flat." So.
2: And if any of you are looking for a last-minute gift idea for my birthday, I understand that the writer's bible of Doctor Who the movie was a leather-bound inscribed with Gallifreyan <laughs> symbols. I kid you not. Like,
1: like the Book of the Time it, Lord. It, it, That's it, attested
0: it, to on the DVD yeah, extras. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it
2: apparently looked like a Time Lord Bible, and it was this ornate, beautiful piece that they, they had put together. They should scan because,
1: all of those and release it as a book. And
2: then it had all of the backstory and the history of, you know, of the show and, and, and things like that and of, the, of the, what they wanted to do. If this had gone to see to series, they would have peppered all of this stuff in. You would have had all this backstory and I would love to see that. The thing that I, <laughs> Even think if that, I can't touch it. it just I think it the case. thing that
0: the movie does for the new series is, and, and you've championed the idea that the movie is really kind of the bridge between classic who and new who. Oh yeah. And, and, I, and I agree with you uh, to some extent, but I think that's what it did is I think that it, it, it showed, along with a lot of other, other influences, it showed, I think, Russell T. Davis a glimmer of what, who needed to be after the 21st century, or in the 21st century. I think that's, that's what you can credit the movie with, is uh, for, for a few things that it does wrong, there's a lot of things that it did right. Uh, as far yeah, as the agree. action, as far as location shooting, as far as you know, the, just the filming techniques and how they did it. The scope it, of it. The mm-hmm. scope of it. I think you can really attribute a lot of that to what was brought to New Who when it came back. Well,
2: and as much with, with any Who that is a product of his times, Doctor Who the movie is very much a product of 1996. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to kind of put yourself in that mindset to really cue into the – anachronisms of of what's going (laughs) on there. But once you do, it's very much right there. And for them to be able to take this dusty old English TV show that hadn't been seen in America, except for the days of public television and bring it up to date to the nineties, I think is, is just one of many huge accomplishments that, that as you said, other people could point to and go, well, this can still work. Yeah. And I go I go further than that. I th- I really genuinely think that Doctor Who the Movie is the blueprint that they went off of um for the new series. There's nothing that, that I've seen that changes my mind I, on that opinion. I
0: think that but, I think that's fair to say, but I don't think it I I I don't know that I would go as far to say as it's the blueprint. I think it's a heavy influence. I think there is there was a lot of television that I think inspired Russell T Davies, uh, oh, and his especially old, his going work on, in television especially oh, going sure. on. In, in, in well,
2: and you're you're doing kind of the same thing. You're you're taking Doctor Who the movie and now updating it for the 2005 audience and, and bringing it up to that date. I mean, yes, it's carrying with it all of the history of the show and everything that's come before. But if if, if you look at it in that regards, even an architect, when you get a blue, the architect draws up the blueprints and then they turn it over to the construction workers and the construction workers go, "We're not going to put that wall there." <laughs> <laughs> and they do something different with it. Or we're going to stall this outlet upside down because that's what construction workers do. <laughs> Doctor Who, the movie is the blueprint. It's the foundation that lays everything out. And then they come along and go, yeah, but we're going to do this with it because it still needs to have that, that redrawn. The only way for, just, for a new uh, the only reason
0: I disagree with that is because I think it would have been influenced through osmosis because Russell T. Davis has never, Davis has never been a huge fan of the
2: movie. I agree.
0: So, I think it's probably it's influenced a, it's a through osmosis, not necessarily. Decision. Okay, we'll take this and say, what can we do it for 2005? It's more of a, well, you know, that sort of worked and that sort of worked. We'll apply that.
1: Well, and, and to some extent, it's also what worked on TV in the 90s. It's kind of some of those ideas. Think that's is what he think that is what works well it. in the movie and what. Yeah. Russell used when bringing it back. I, it I agree. I don't think a, Russell it was took a global, it intentionally. I think it was a global
0: influence. It was probably, oh, as yeah. you just said, stuff that was working the way it was working in the 1990s and early 2000s is what was applied. And Doctor Who Doctor Who the movie actually fits within that mold. So, yeah.
2: I, I would agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I think there's a, a definitive... Um, not that he took it and said, I like this, this, and this. I'm going to use that. But I didn't like this, this, and this. I'm not going to use that. Yeah. Very much in the osmosis or um, influence but I, I i think it influenced him more greatly than even he would be willing to admit or maybe he even, on a, even, a, on a, even on a subconscious level or recognizes that it's there it's very much there and maybe i read too much into it i'm really willing to admit that well but we, you can't we convince me otherwise we'll all admit that we the can wax lyrical
0: about the movie and its influence on all but there was uh one other element that and and, and I should mention to to the listeners we we're not doing a step by step everything that happened in the wilderness. We're not it's not a history lesson here. I think what we're doing is we're applying what we know, our knowledge of of the wilderness years to the return of Doctor Who. Another one of those big elements, though, was Big Finish, who well, picked um, up the mantle in 1999 officially. Yeah, because they it before that.
1: It's so interesting that the wilderness years really is two parts because there's the part leading up to the the movie where everyone's kind of hopeful that it's going to come back. And then after the movie, where kind of everyone's like, well, okay, it's not going to come back. And so they do a bit different things. And even on how they, on how the BBC handled everything, they, like you mentioned, taking the licensing away from Virgin because of the movie coming up, they wouldn't get Big Finish the license right away because they were hoping the show would go to series and they didn't want to contract that out. So it's it's very two sides of this, of this time. And so they wouldn't, they couldn't get the, the, the license. So they decided, well, let's see if we can get uh, Bernice. And that also got some productions under their belt too, because it was a brand new company that they hadn't done absolutely anything. They, they just said, Hey, we want to do this. Will you let us? And the BBC said, no, <laughs> kind of <laughs> rightfully. So they didn't have anything to show them. And uh, so they got the, the Bernice Summerfield stories and, showed that they could do it and do it well and then once they kind of the BBC kind of realized it's not going to come back uh, with Fox that's when they got the license and was able to kind of carry on and they dipped back into that uh, some new virgin well uh, for a lot of writers and uh, some stories as we know Damage Good coming out soon Uh, they've done a lot to explore everything and because they're such fans of the show also they they kind of take what the the novels were doing and put it to a new medium so so well.
2: I imagine there had to be a lot of careful treading to not just go well, this worked in the books." Yeah, you know, or I really liked well, that book. Let's just adapt that one. How's it going to
1: work well in audio? I think they they did try to
2: because there are things you can do in a novel that you simply cannot do in any other medium, and yeah. I think there are things that you can do on television that you maybe couldn't do in a novel. And audio is that weird kind of foot in both worlds because it's got the you know uh, certainly the structure and and, and storytelling elements of a, of a television episode, you know, with the sound effects and the cast and everything like that. But it's essentially doing the job of a book. And so they've, they've kind of got a really.
1: It's doing the job of the book and the job of television. At the same yeah, time. at the same time. Because a lot of times it does feel like a bit more telegraphed episode of TV where they have to explain things a bit more. But it's like watching something. You yeah, can exactly. imagine everything. And it's I think it's really impressive that they got the three doctors that they did right off the bat. And it, they didn't have some kind of gradually getting into it. They were jumping both feet pretty deep right away. And I think it's a lot of the shows coming back is thanks to the guys at Big Finish and the Virgin authors and then the BBC Eighth Doctor novel people. If they hadn't kept it alive the way they did in the wilderness years, we would not have the show we have then. I think that's the fascinating thing about Big Finish is that Big Finish was able to
0: adapt to a new medium. They'd already been doing the with, uh, uh, is it Jason Hay Gallery? Uh, yeah, he was yeah. the one that started. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Briggs, who was brought on board, who had done some of the BBV stuff, uh, yeah. which was video wise, and had been writing for that, and then of course Gary Russell, who had been with Doctor Who Magazine, and eventually getting him on board and bringing all of them into the fold. You've already got guys that have been doing fan production fan productions.
1: Yeah, cause and, it very much was a so birth out of the they're, BBB. Yeah,
0: exactly. They're, they're so steeped in Doctor Who themselves as fans that, 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 that I think they call it fandom. Or, uh, uh, what, fanon is what they call Phantom. it. Fanon. That's fanon <laughs> that's fan-based. And they were so steeped in fanon that it really was kind of a, a nice meld of these guys coming together and creating something. But I think what Big Finish did right was where they were using a new medium, but they knew, as you said, you, know, you the visualization was there. You didn't have to have the expensive you know, budgets in order to, to come up with these really clever stories. They also made it feel like classic Who. Yeah. Very yeah. structured, very, you know, bringing they like the characters temp- They left the back. template the same. And they left the template the same. And even with the Eighth Doctor stories, I think this also, I think they were influenced by the film as well. Not in the sense that they didn't do anything different that they were doing with the Eighth Doctor than they were doing with in my opinion, uh, 5, 6, and 7. But what they were doing was they were, they were heavily borrowing from the style. And I think a lot of this came with Paul McGann and his involvement. But they were, they were heavily doing the style that Paul had set forth in the film. Yeah. And so it was really, if you were familiar with the film, you were already comfortable with the 8th Doctor audios. And when, if you were familiar with the classic series, you were already comfortable with the, the, the classic Doctor's yeah. stories, uh, 5, 6, and 7. And so I think that's what they did right, is they said, okay, we're going to take everything of what made Doctor Who great, and we're going to keep that so that fans identify with these stories, these characters, these actors, and they stay on. And I think that was the most that's the most fascinating thing about Big Finish for me, is the fact that they were able to capture all of that magic that we loved as fans. And they were able to continue on from
1: there. Uh, and to th- it's uh, to me, it's kind of baffling to think that it didn't start until 1999. Because uh, for me, the Wilderness Years is very much Big Finish that filled the gap. Right. And I know the novels are out there, but we haven't read very many of them. So it's Big Finish. And then when you start thinking about it, it's like only six 99. years. Of that, it was you know, there was ten years without yeah. Big Finish at all. It, how because it. As much as as great as the novels are, nothing feels like Doctor Who as much as Big Finish does. I I would
0: completely agree.
2: And I think that goes back again to the the other elements of fandom. When you have the Star Trek books that are out there, if you're a Star Trek fan, but the parent entity officially says, not canon. Enjoy them. Buy them. Spend money on them. But, you know, side adventures. And you have the Star Wars books that at that time, no, they weren't at that time. It's not until two thousand. No, it was 91. It was 91. 91. I, had to, had to, I had to switch my um, thing. So when you have the Star Wars books that are coming out and the parent company is saying, very much canon, and here's the timeline, and here's where we're going to work with it, and boom, 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 because that was all you had. And then you had Doctor Who, which was kind of in the same boat as Star Wars. that you knew It just wasn't coming back. But you didn't have that official stamp of approval that this is this and that is that. It was just free-for-all thrown out there. And you you, you really kinda had to deal with it. So when you got something like Big Finish that came along and said, We've got the licensing, so we've got the blessing of this, we're gonna go out and do these things that we liked, we're gonna hire these people that we liked from these books, we're gonna do this, it it really is kind of that blending of everything. And you mentioned Um, that first episode, you know, going after the three doctors. I think that was a, 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 a twofold necessity to legitimize themselves that, you know, for at least in the minds of fans, that this isn't in our minds, just another, Oh, here's a, a a new doctor who product that's coming out. We went and got the big guns. You know, <laughs> yeah. I can't make it any more official for you in your head than to hear Sylvester McCoy as the seventh doctor yeah. performing that and Colin Baker and Peter Davidson.
1: Cause they it's were, they here. were in some of the BBV films, but they weren't actually the doctor. Right. Because right. the
0: license, they, 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 so they got around the, why they call it, um, uh, Lawyer-friendly scripts is what they called them <laughs> because what they were doing was they were dancing around the license. Because the reason that you, you could do things, the BBV did things like – and, and real-time. I give them credit as well. They did things like the Santarans yeah the Autons, the uh, Unit even. Yeah, uh, great Intelligence. Great Intelligence. They were able to do those kind of things because the way the BBC worked was when they wrote shows over there – they the the properties were licensed to the authors, to the writers, the people that had created the characters, and so cleverly what was done with the audiovisuals and the b b v and downtime or uh, real time uh productions is they said we'll go to the source and we'll get that, but you have to cleverly write around saying the doctor or ace or you know, anything like that that would you know. Throw the red flags up, and the lawyers would be all over them. Yeah. And so they cleverly did that. So, yeah, to go from that and then, as you said, say, oh, wait, we've got the big guns here. We've got the Doctors. And then not only that, but add to it, as soon as you put this CD, because it's how they were releasing them back in the days, when you put that CD in your CD drive and you start this thing, automatically off the bat, when you hear the Doctor Who theme, we've got you. You're all oh, back yeah. You're back like it was 10 years ago, and we have picked up where we left off. That's that's where it worked for them.
1: Oh, and then they went – they proved that they could do it, and then they proved that later we're going to do it even better, and we're going to improve on the doctors that some people might not have liked yep. and make them better and do what they tried to do on television but didn't quite succeed. Yep. Uh,
0: yeah. I think that's the olive branch that I think is, is. is handed out because I don't think Davison felt like he really. I mean he 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 later admitted that he wanted to go on that he he was he actually was sorrowful that he had said I'm only going to do three years in and then out. He has said that, but I don't think he regretted any of his time as Doctor no. Who, and I think that he did with the Doctor what he wanted to do. His
1: character right and exactly.
0: Well. Colin is the one that got that chance to come back and do something that he didn't get to do in the first place. And even McCoy to a, a, a point, because, because with it McCoy, cut short. Well, yeah. McCoy, I think, enjoyed his time, yeah, exactly, it got sh- cut short. And I think McCoy enjoyed that 26th season because of where they were taking the doctor. And so suddenly these two guys get to do something that was almost promised to them and then just ripped out from them. <laughs> And so that, that well, obviously is a, is, a, is a nugget.
1: Unlike the novels, it didn't go quite as far with Sylvester. of making it as dark. It's still kind of more in that realm of the TV show could have gone there um, as opposed to the novels, which probably went, went a lot of places that the TV show would never yeah, have gone. Yeah, exactly. Well,
0: and down the
2: road, too, you get that with the Eighth Doctor. You yeah. Get, you get Paul McGann being able to come back and do that. Here's the opportunity. Here's the carrot. This is a possible pilot for a new TV show, and this is what you will be doing every week. Oh, uh, but you're not going to get to do that. We're going to take yep. that away from you. And so better. now, yep. you know, here
1: no, it is over a big thing. Yeah, and so we got more Eighth Doctor, too.
0: And it's probably why. I think Davison, because of his joy, and the other three for the fact that they're going to come back and do something more than they were able to do. Yeah. I think that was just the incentive for all of them to say, yeah, sure, why? I had fun while I was doing it. Let's do it again. Yeah. So, Maybe not Colin so much, but Colin probably was the more, if we're going to do it right, let's do it. <laughs> you know, I know.
2: Well, even Nick Briggs said in his, if you remember his interview that, uh, that we've got here on the show, that uh, he said that there was a lot of, you know, the, the changes that they made to the Sixth Doctor was at Colin's Collins. request. Yeah. That, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. I'd rather do something like this. Okay, yeah, well, let's do that.
0: And Colin had had that chance a little bit, too, I think, with the stage version when he did uh, the, the, the the Doctor Who uh, Build of an Adventure. I think he got a little say in that script as well, especially when he took over, because he took over for John Pertwee, who was playing the third doctor in that role. And so I think having gotten that kind of maybe softened the blow so that when he came to Big Finish, he probably felt like, you know, maybe I'll have a little influence here too. And Big Finish was willing to, you know, give and say, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's do that.
1: I think that's one of the smart things they've done is listen to their actors. Because I think some of the companions have even made sure that their characters were treated properly and they listened to them and made sure they did the right thing. And how
0: much of that do you presume is because when you've got the big guns in there, you've got the doctors in there saying we're Nobody... having a great time, you probably can get actor after actor oh, actor, yeah. actor after actor going, these guys are having a great time. They're doing what they, what they, they think the, – they think these guys are doing it right. I'll give it a chance and I kind of get that impression when I listen to interviews with – Anytime a new companion comes on board and starts, you know, an actor or an actress that played a companion comes on board and they're like, yeah, we're, do- we're doing things now that just make it fun and we're enjoying it. And, it, it, you know, it's not like, well, I, I need another check. So, you know, it's, <laughs> they, they actually come back to it because they know that it's in good hands and Big Finish is doing good well. That's
2: an interesting question. I wonder how many of the uh, um, people associated with it would, would kind of... I imagine after a while, after a certain spell of time, that you become possessive of that character. Oh. That, that this is not just who you're known as, but this is yeah, – it's me that's in some way, shape, or form being represented here, that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part of that. And I, I, obviously, there are actors out there in many venues that show up and collect a check, that that's all it is to them. Yeah. Um, but the, I imagine that after a certain amount of time, that you have to take ownership of that and and kind of say, hmm.
0: Like David Banks? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not besmirching the man at all because he is a wonderful ambassador. But you kind of get that impression that when he steps in, that Cybermen are his. Cybermen, that's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think he takes, in a good way, full ownership over that. And so Especially I think that's the kind of Cy- the, the thing that eighty yeah, Cybermen is like yeah yeah that's yeah, that's exactly. kind of eighty Cybermen that's my thing.
2: And so I wonder uh, you know uh, I think that'd be an interesting question maybe ask some of these people is when we come along is you know so when you're doing the big finish and you show up and you get the you, 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 you get the call and you get the script and you're there and you're doing the read through are are you mentally you know already as an actor making notes how you're going to play it, the tone of voice blah 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 what's going on or are you kind of like ooh. I get to do something really cool here <laughs> as Turlo or as Deacon or, you know, or Paul Polly, or, Polly, or, yeah. or
0: Susan or who really on the series didn't get to expand and, and really. I'm not
2: just getting coffee. Yeah, in this exactly, you know, do exactly. You get exactly. that kind of joy out of it.
1: Yeah. And the fact that they then later went back and did more with the classic companions that we don't have the doctors for anymore, that right. they were able to figure out a way to incorporate them in a variety of ways just goes to show their creativity and their dedication to it. Because they could have stuck with, well, we've got these actors, let's just do that. But no, they thought about it and tried to figure out other ways to do more and expand more.
0: And I think that benefits the fans as well because I think we also are very possessive about those roles. Because when, despite how much a voice has changed, if it's not Carol Ann Ford doing Susan, it's not Susan. Yeah. If it's not, you know... Uh, Nicole Bryant doing Perry it's not Perry and so I think we're even a little apprehensive when things come about unfortunately because of tragic circumstances like the Ronnie we've got a new actress who'll be playing the Ronnie or is playing the Ronnie. I think that we I think we get a little bit defensive because we 're like, well no, that's not going to be my Ronnie you know or yeah. with even when we talk about um the third doctor being voiced by somebody that sounds remarkably like. It's just not the same because it's not. But but we're still doing it. That's that's John Pertwee's role. I think even a lot of people went through that when uh, Richard Herndl stepped on the set. And and, and we see him for the first time as the first Doctor. And fortunately to his credit, he didn't try to do anything different than William Hartnell was doing. He really did kind of embrace the role in the way that... that, that, And and even though you see a different face, he does enough of that emulation that it takes you a little while... But then you kind of accept it and go, yeah, no, I'm going to buy that. He's the first doctor, and so I think Big Finish is really good too about saying, okay, we're just doing a Romana. We just, well, oh, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I knew that. <laughs> well, but for listeners, I mean, yeah. I think if anybody's, it's, if they, you're they, keeping up, free audio has been out since last year, yeah, so and that if you're keeping yeah. up with Romana, Romana is now in her or third generation. Or just seen the news, third generation. Uh, what? So. Yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> Um but anyway as and, and as I said before alluded to we're we're really kind of painting a broad picture of the wilderness years where we we picked a few topics that we wanted to discuss that really we think were integral parts to carry fans through that that black hole that we were trying to get across in those years and we uh, even the three of us didn't experience like a lot of fans yeah. did in both the UK and the US and so I think we we we. If there's anything particular you want to point to that you think was integral, I think you know, listeners, please write in and say, hey, well, you know, how about this? It's not that we forgot to include that. It's just that we didn't want to because we're going to talk a little a bit lot about here now yeah. about them. But really quick, I think some of the things that we should mention are the fanzines. Fanzines were huge into keeping fans connected. And what was going on in Doctor Who? Oh, and there that's was some how you got your VHS, VHS stories going, That's how you got VHS copies back in the day before they were commercially being released on VHS. Yeah. Now, fortunately, the VHS stuff was coming out in the late '80s already, and thankfully DVD picked up. But that was another avenue was DVDs in the in the wilderness years, as we were able to get some of these past stories finally on DVD in the 1990s. So we were getting little pieces, easier to late, late, pieces late 90s. there. Yeah, late '90s. Yeah. And then uh, the fan films, as we alluded to a little bit before. We're saying fan film, and when we say BBV and real-time, they're semi-professional films. They are fan films, but they're in that vein of how fan films are made now. They were just being done with a little more professional touch and a little bit more money at the time. And they were being commercially released. They were being released on video, and you could obtain copies of those relatively easy in the U.K. anyway. So those were out there as well. But we we still lump them kind of into the fan film aspect because, they because also that's have what the fan film license. right that's yeah. what fan film is now. And then fan clubs and conventions were, were were thriving through those years, not like they are now. I think the resurgence of New Who has really driven the Doctor Who Who cons, especially in the United States. They were very few and far between. Uh, Gallifrey was in existence in, within the. Wilderness Years, I think even Chicago TARDIS was around at that there time. There
1: was one somewhere here in the Midwest. Too. There was a
0: Midwest uh, fan cl- or a, a fan convention as well. But they were kind of spat- scattered throughout, but they were still pushing on, and they were still bringing fans together. And then, of course, I think the biggest thing between at least 1999 and 2005 when the series finally returned to the airwaves, I think the Internet was an integral part oh, yeah. to that because when – you know, you started getting some of the message boards that were popping up. Um, uh, you know, just little sites and 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 fan sites, and, and as that kind of blossomed and started to explode, I think that was another avenue that really carried a lot of people through those. those, it, it, those it helped dark people times. connect so much easier. It did. It really. It made so
1: you could discuss it, what you loved so much easier.
0: You weren't just talking with a handful of friends that you you know sat around a table with and could potentially record a podcast every week because you couldn't back then but you had that connection on the internet and it, it also broadened the scope because not only were you talking about people in your same area you were talking about people across the united states and then you were talking with people across the the uh the the ocean which was incredible as well. it,
2: it, it suddenly made that uh, a very different shared experience as opposed to finding out that wait well, you've got doctor who videos at home and you have that Link instant connection that Glenn and I have, yep. and having to go to that face to face bit, you know, to, before you made that next leap, to well, you're in a chat room called Doctor Who Fan Club chat room. You know, you're among people who are already there. That's a surreal yeah. thing that this this was, and you know, it's, it's, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that listen to. They're like. That wasn't always a thing. Yeah. And it wasn't. <laughs> that, that's certainly
0: true. We have a lot of young listeners that probably don't remember pre-internet days. Yeah. And they existed. And it's, Sean it's, and I, for the very least, can remember. I remember. <laughs> well, it's, I can you YouTube yeah. to a point. We,
2: we, 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 it's, it's very much taken advantage of now or taken for granted. Oh, yeah. The, the, oh, absolutely. the internet is this thing that's there. but you know, it's and
1: fast and quick. Even, even even pre early internet was not. Uh, yeah,
0: I can dial-up. fire up new Netflix or Hulu and watch Doctor Who now. You didn't have that <laughs> even in the early internet days. Oh yeah. If you wanted to do something like that, you waited for days on dial up to download one. You know, maybe ten minutes worth of film. Never so, mind thinking of streaming something.
2: Yeah. Oh it's yeah. Simple. No, it was unheard of. I mean, it was it was it was VHS or nothing back but, then.
0: But that all of that brings us to I think what we sort of want to celebrate. Um, it's certainly not as much of a monumental event as the fiftieth anniversary of the entire series of Doctor Who, but I think it it, it does it, we do need to acknowledge the fact that had it not returned in two thousand five with the episode Rose, we wouldn't be where we were today ten oh, yeah. years later Absolutely with Doctor that. Who still on the airwaves.
2: And it's vastly different, I think, for, for people in England who had these different avenues to, to kind of get their fix, the fanzines and everything like that. Because a lot of that was so very underground here in the States. It really was, especially in the Midwest. I don't know about you. My experience during the wilderness years was finding out after the fact that Doctor Who had been hiatus, <laughs> <laughs> not canceled, hiatist, and then going, oh, I guess that's just done. Because and, I mean,
0: PBS, on or, anymore, PBS know? even in the early 90s, was still running Sylvester McCoy's yeah, stories. There yeah. was still stuff we, we, hadn't We, we were yeah. about a year behind, or sometimes longer, behind the, U- the UK. So it wasn't officially canceled here yet.
1: <laughs> well, it was
0: never
2: <laughs> officially canceled. It was never on the hiatus here yet. But we, we never got the word. We never got notified. I don't know about you. I never got notification that it was off the air. I didn't even know what that really meant in the early nineties as a kid, it just meant that the show that I liked wasn't on the show that the channel that I could find it anymore. And I spent a couple of weeks hunting around seeing if they'd moved it to a different time slot and there was nothing. Mm. And so you just kind of, Oh, well, I guess that's it's over. Gone. It's, you know, it's just done with and it kind of fades into memory and then I get a job and I start working at Suncoast and it's available on VHS and it's nostalgic and I start buying some episodes and having a good time remembering this thing that I liked. And then all of a sudden, in the TV guide is this ad for this thing called Doctor Who on Fox. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little glimmer of hope. Oh, maybe they're going to do something with you. And so setting the VCR and telling everybody, don't call me. I'm going to watch Doctor Who.
1: And everybody goes, what's that?
2: Yeah, nobody got it. Nobody cared. <laughs> nobody called me anyway. And it comes on. And I'm very uncertain. What is this? What is this Snake Eyes guy? And I don't, I don't get Oh, wait, there's the TARDIS. Okay, the vortex is different, the theme music's different, the font's kind of reminiscent, slicked up a little bit. Okay, cool. But the TARDIS is here, I'm gonna be all right. And had a wonderful time. And then it was done. And it kind of went back to, well, I guess that's you know, it. You know, I just it's over and done with. But I have my VHS recorded copy from TV of Doctor Who the movie, or as I called it back then Doctor Who nineteen ninety six. And and I'll have that forever. And I didn't even know there was going to be a new series yeah. until my cousin who lives in Kansas City said, did you know Dr. Who's back? I said, what? <laughs> he says, yeah, they've got like a whole season now and it's back and it's, it's great and it's awesome. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, strange that
0: I hadn't brought that up because my, my experience is a little different because as I've, I've talked about many times on the show, When I got to high school, girls and cars and partying and things like that were more important to me than Doctor Who anymore. And so I kind of fell off in the early years of The Sixth Doctor is when I kind of stopped watching. And every once in a while, I'd come back to it and catch it, and I saw maybe two or three stories of Sylvester McCoy's era. That was it, if if, if even two. So I was well aware enough of The Sixth Doctor and The Seventh Doctor, but I had lost interest in Doctor Who. And it wasn't until you and I met in about 95 that I did the, wait, you've got VHS copies of this <laughs> show that I remember when I was a kid? And knowing that I had seen very little early Doctor Who, I had seen very little of, of Patrick Troughton or um, William Hartnell or even even Pertwee. I knew of Pertwee's existence, specifically the other two as well, because of the, the, five, uh, doctors. the five doctors. But I had seen in my... Memory, foggy memory. I had seen at least a John Perchey story on PBS, and was well enough aware of him. But I, I felt like I had this hole of well, there was a lot more before I came on board with Tom Baker. And you had about <coughs> a handful of stories. Yeah. You had just like I think you had Unearthly Child. You had one other um, Hartnell. You had a, one maybe two Patrick Trout, maybe just one. And then you had then from then on you had you had You had you know four. Or five I think years. I
2: think I had Tomb of the Cybermen was the. The, the Patrick track because that, that had right. just and been yes, discovered and, and came right. out that and I was like was. oh cool who and didn't I you know, <laughs> and so didn't I know and what it was. So that, I told
0: know. Sean I said I'm going to borrow Doctor Who VHS from you so that's what <laughs> I did is, and and I would just each week I'd get one or two more and I was stepping through all of the Doctors we were going and then I got to the sixth Doctor era and he had a few I hadn't seen and that was a, that was a new experience for me and then seven was was. Mind-blowing because I, even though I had seen some 7, I just didn't remember the stories because I don't think I was connecting to it as much. I was just I was distracted. There was other things going on. And so I really got back into this, oh, Doctor Who. And then, of course, when I get to the end of the, the VHS line that he's got existing, then I'm like, I, I still want more Doctor Who. <laughs> and that's when I'm at Dean's Books, which is a used bookstore here in Topeka. And I see this little glimmering – uh this was uh, – over the course of, of several years, but I see this glimmering CD. Actually, it had been a couple of years, and I was like, you know, I've been through all the VHS. I think I had picked some other VHSs up from somebody else and, and, and Sunco. Oh, no, I don't know what it was. i had been written a few of them from Duncan's Movie Magic. Duncan's we worked few, at Duncan's. Yeah. And so that over the course of those years, mm. I was watching those. And then it wasn't until, well, I think it was about 90, no, it was about 2000. It was late, late in the 90s. That was how
2: you knew if you had a good video rental store. <laughs> if they had Doctor Who, you went, wow. There was, it this, was in a separate section. There wasn't yeah. such thing as oh, TV. Yeah. It was no. in the science fiction it section. Was science fiction. But you went to the D's and went, oh, <laughs> there's Doctor Who on the shelf. But there was this something. glimmering
0: case on the a CD. Actually, I went, I was picking up Doctor Who magazines in the, in the meantime because we would occasionally get Doctor Who magazines. Somebody would have one. And they would sell it to deans, and then of oh, course I yeah. would buy it. And so <laughs> I have you know a, about a dozen Doctor Who magazines from the early days. And I was in there buying, looking for Doctor Who magazines and novels. I had picked up a couple of books, some of the Target novelizations, and I saw this little case, and it was spare parts, the big finished audio. So I bought it because I was like, what, they want on a CD? What is this? And so I took it home and I put it in, and, and then that I think I, I still attribute spare parts into, even though I had been catching up on Doctor Who video wise. And seeing some of the stuff, because when I ran through your Tom Baker stuff, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. It was all nostalgia. Even some of the Fifth day, Dr. Peter, Peter mm-hmm. Davison stuff was just all nostalgia. This was brand new to me. And so I put it in, a, and I, I credit them for really just... Pushing me into, okay, I've got to find everything. I, and that's when I discovered. I <laughs> into the fandom. That's when I discovered online that Big Finish had a website where you could actually buy the. <laughs> and download them. And it took 20 minutes to download one <laughs> story. Because <laughs> we were still on the edge of dial-up. We had I think I had just moved into uh, DSL at that time. And but so that was my wilderness years.
2: you early adapter you but I, I got so
0: engrossed in because of spare parts I got so engrossed in dr who and and was online finding out all I could about what I didn't know about Doctor Who and watching clips because you know, clips were it was in the early days I mean it was it was you you got maybe a thirty forty second clip of something, but over the course of watching all of this stuff on on online and reading all of these Doctor Who starts and, and being on, uh, uh, what was it, Rec Arts Doctor Who, the message board, I was always going there, finding out what I could learn about Doctor Who that I didn't know yet in my experiences. And it, so that was my wilderness years. And in the course of that, I, I, I'll back up, I did go through the exact same thing with with Doctor the Movie where it returned and I was kind of skeptical and I was like, and, and I remember I, had, I still have a Starlog magazine, It came out before the movie came out and reading the little synopsis on it and all the stuff about it and just being really intrigued by that. But then, like you said, then it's gone, then it's done. And so then I'm back in – Yeah, just blip. Then I'm back in retro, you know, (laughs) absorbing Doctor Who. And and
2: hunting the local comic book shop, which used to carry – this was the other avenue was the target novelizations. And the local comic book shop used to have the target novelizations. And I would buy those and kind of relive episodes and read ones that I'd never seen was because I had the target novelization of it.
0: And I remember you telling me that uh, you sometimes, in fact, there's at least one book that you read that was a second Doctor book,
2: yet you were
0: still, because you had never seen Patrick Troughton, you weren't as familiar with Patrick Troughton, you were imagining
2: the fourth Doctor <laughs> in that book, Yeah,
0: even though it was a second Doctor I book. think it was
2: Web of Fear, yeah, actually, because right. Web of you're Fear right. reads very much like a Philip Hinchcliffe story. Oh, yeah. it, it's got that feel to it. But um, so there was that, and I picked up. Uh, the, there were two annuals that were basically just Doctor Who magazine, you know, collections with you know some of the comics and then articles and different things like that. And that's I man, that and the uh, the, the fourth Doctor's technical manual. That's what got me through the wilderness <laughs> years. Is anytime I needed a fix, I'd fall back into one of those items, and that was all you had. Over and over and over, I must have read those annuals twenty times.
0: <laughs> but I was on a Doctor Who message board, and that's when I saw Doctor Who's returning. And I went, and this was before it had come back in the beast. And they had pictures. They had clips because they had set photos. And I was, I was looking at all this. And I went, that looks nothing like the Doctor. What are they doing? <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, he's, he's gone through all these different looks. So this is just the next the next step. Look. And, I, and I remember thinking, oh, this is not going to be good. It's not going to go because I'm, I'm remembering the TV movie. I'm remembering, I'm remembering being so excited that the TV movie is going to be on. a Doctor Who is returning the airwaves. And then, blip, it's gone. And there's nothing because back then we didn't know that well even with even with the infancy of the internet you still didn't know that knowledge that, wasn't out there you didn't know what had befallen this wonderful series and for me i didn't even know at the time that it was serving as a pilot for what could have been a new series it was just it was a movie it was doctor who it was doctor who the movie doctor who and yeah, it was God. gone, gone. And so, but I'm I'm remembering back to, I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to go well. They're going to do this, and then it's not going to take off again. And it's going to, you know, it just, it'll, and I remember, I I, I waited until, (laughs) I waited until Sci Fi Channel picked it up, which was a whole year after it had already aired in the UK. And I watched Rose, and it blew my mind. (laughs) And I went, this feels like doctor who this is what doctor who this is what i've imagined This is what i remember as a kid this is doctor who See, it's interesting because i in think it's 45 minutes and there's no cliffhanger <laughs> and all none of that stuff but it's just there was there was a nugget of it that just felt like doctor it's because
2: despite everything despite the different avenues we came to it i think i hit it about the same time i was not watching it on sci-fi i think it was shortly before that that my cousin threw whatever means, gave me a, 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 a copy of, of what had aired. Well, I do remember. I, I think I you went, started oh, watching slightly and,
0: after me because I remember asking you, have you seen the doctor? The, the first episode? And you hadn't yet. I said, watch this and tell me what you think. And then I think, I do then, remember yeah, that. You're right. Because, it was after. Yeah.
2: So you watched it on sci-fi? Well, I thought it hadn't aired on sci-fi it, when no, I saw it. No, it
0: came to sci-fi. Well, but then what happened was I watched <laughs> Into the World and I couldn't wait week to week, so... I'm, I'm ashamed to say now <laughs> in my young and stupid days that I might have gone to the internet and downloaded it <laughs> <laughs> because it was already airing overseas. So and I don't encourage that. that. I, don't, I don't, I don't, don't,
2: we don't, I don't condone, condone that.
0: that. I, I think that every bit of property that artists create, they should get the money for. Um, but back then I was so jonesing for Dr. Who that, and so I watched an entire season of Doctor Who in like four days. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way Mel and that was I digested mainlining it. Back yeah.
2: That's the way Mel and I digested it when we started watching the show and we found and we're like, <gasps> and we'd watch three, four episodes a night until we were done with the first season and just sat there kind of going, what wow. No. And then you had to wait a year. And we'd do the same thing. We'd accumulate them and then we'd go through and watch the next season and do it over the course of a week and we'd be done with it and be like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> And then you'd wait a year and then your <laughs> stupid podcast came along <laughs> and made me go week to week.
0: Of course, by then we were getting them day and date or the day close after. To. Yeah, yeah, close to, to. day and date because they would they would air the day after. Um, now, now we get them day and date because they air yeah. at 2 o'clock in the afternoon our time in the UK and then we get them that evening on BBC America, let's, thankfully. Let's
2: talk a little bit about Rose. Now. We're all old Hatteros at this point. Uh, you Even Keith oh, yeah, gets to come that, to the uh, table and say, I've, s- I've seen this one a bunch of times. And we all have that great, yay, Doctor Who's back. It feels like Doctor Who. It's 45 minutes, no cliffhanger, but this was just what I want. So we watched this for this week for Friday Night Who. And I purposely turned a little more critical eye to it. <laughs> just Just to see, you know. Wow. <laughs> when you really break this one down, it's not a good story at all.
1: When, uh, when, when, when you really look
2: at it, it serves its <laughs> purpose. It opens it up. And I, I, I really did. I sat there kind of going, I recommended this to people who had never seen Dr. Who before. And said, just start at Rose and go from there. And it, it does, it does what it's supposed to do. It introduced the character. You get it all through Rose's point of view. You know, it, it sets the groundwork. It lays the foundation for the show and allows you to have this fun adventure. Go on. But, and this is me being very nitpicky, so keep that in mind. We've got the got the got the other hat on right now. We have burping trash cans, mm-hmm. which is not a good thing. It's goofy, stupid, juvenile humor. It's farting aliens. It's a burping trash can. It's right in there. Plastic we, Mickeys. We, we have plastic <laughs> Mickeys who is so bad, he looks like the Santa Claus that Tim Allen makes mm-hmm. in the second movie, and he's plasticized plastic. and all, you know. Yeah. That.
1: And so we have, painfully obvious that he's plastic.
2: It's so painfully up- obvious he's plastic. Oh, and very then, dated CGI. Too. Very dated CGI. But we have a, a Rose character who's so self-absorbed that she doesn't notice <laughs> that, her <boyfriend, laughs> that her boyfriend is plastic. That's the part of it that's like, what? And then we have the the... Never before mentioned and never since seen gymnastic abilities <laughs> of our companion because the script called for her to knock the nesting consciousness or the, well, the, the anti-plastic now, into the To be thing.
0: fair, and I did rewatch this this weekend, but I have, to, I, have to, I have seen Rose a lot <laughs> because, number one, when it first came out, I watched it over and over and over again until I could see the next one the next week because, fortunately, DVR had just started back in 2005. Now, we had DVR. Or was it? VHS was I. Re- I mean, I was recording on a VHS, even back then. Being a DVR until a couple of years later. And, but I watched it several times, and then every time I've introduced a family member to Doctor Who, we've gone back and started from the beginning. So I've seen Rose a good number of times. So I'm a little, I'm a little different perspective on this. But I think you're being unfair with the gymnastic move because what she did was ten times more realistic than what Danny Pink did jumping over that robot. (laughs) I'll give you that one. (laughs) And that jam-nastic move was much... So we even still have that today. So I think comparing those two... I'll take Rose swinging on a chain, knocking the thing in the nesting conscious, the, the auto of the nesting conscious. Because really it wasn't that gymnastic it of
1: wasn't. That's It wasn't. Pro- that's the problem with I mean. that. Yeah, it's, that's it's the line that, it's the line more than anything. I'm just going to jump on this chain and swing. Anybody can do that. You don't need to have this gymnastic ability. That's because, why I never addressed it you know,
2: I, I, I watched that and I thought to myself, I have the exact same level of gymnastic ability <laughs> that Rose demonstrates on that chain. I could swing out there. She doesn't really even kick it square. She just kind of bumps see, into it and it falls in the thing. And it's like, I but, could have done that. See, but I. I, I As I'm, a kid, I'd have been all over this going, Yay, there's I'm hope for my awkwardness. It, I'm <laughs> going
0: to defend it again because she's probably, what, 19 at the time of the. Of, that's her character's yeah. 19 years old. And. I'm going to defend it because I think the, the line is in, is in there because I think it's there are so, a lot of people that couldn't do that. Not because of the move was fantastic because you really have to have this upper body strength and you really have, you have to, to have the, to the faculties to do it. It's
2: a tire swing. Come on.
0: If you, were, if you were 20 years Most younger, you, could would be you couldn't do it Most people would be Mickey scared now. in the corner. And I guarantee you probably couldn't have done it as well at 19.
1: Really, the whole moment. Is- so what I, I think you're
0: being a little. I think you're being no. a little over. Now with the plastic stuff. Okay, I'll give you that. But again, I think it was also a product of his time because it, that's I mean, true. It's ten years. It's we've ten years we've now. Been ten years ago. I mean, I'm even
2: more willing to write off the the, the plastic thing because, because Rose is-, is 19, <laughs> and so so. I remember 19 year old girls. They would not have noticed plastic boyfriends. I also think that, with the that- gymnastics. Now, <laughs> Rose, having, having said, hang on, having said all of that. If she had pulled a double gainer no flip thing like the little kid does in Lost World Jurassic Park, I'd have been so angry. <laughs> <laughs> but I do oh, so, I,
1: I, I, I think it's unfairly really more I, Go ahead, go ahead. goes to they needed they wanted to do something to show that this companion was more than just our previous companions that that then she breaks the stereotype of the companion. That's by saving the, the doctor, by saving the doctor, by saving the doctor, that's, a good that's point. what the move was. That's the purpose of the move, and that's why they needed to put something in there.
2: Because it takes her a while to get to that point. Yeah, because like the, the first, because in my is, mind, true companion thing that she does is when she's yelling at everybody to get out of the restaurant when Plastic Mickey's going nuts, knocking over tables, yeah. and she kind of goes, "Everybody out! Everybody, you know? Oh and yeah, pulls this pulls danger." Pulls the fire alarm. Pulls the fire alarm. And then, and it's like, oh, finally a companion moment from Rose. So I agree with And, you, and then we got
1: the new companion moment of the new template of what the new companion will be. Of that's, a this, yeah. action, that's a good point. This uh, action elements and
0: getting in there. I think the other thing that you why you can't go back and just single out Rose, which you're trying to do, is because there's a consistency through the entire season. Well, yeah, I agree yeah. With, with that too. We've <laughs> got the, the um, very unrealistic um, – uh, uh, moisturize me. What's her name?
1: Oh, Cassandra. Cassandra.
0: Cassandra. In the exact following episode. And then you've got Slovene coming along, or big marshmallow creatures that are green and running. So there's some consistency in that. And the other thing that I have to use as support is I think Doctor Who in 2005 was being written for a younger audience, much younger audience than Doctor Who in 20.
2: 20- I would agree with that. I would agree. Fifteen is being written. I, I think in many ways, like the Harry Potter books, that it grows with it. it grows with its audience, and the the same audience that joined up in 2015 as a, a child,
0: smaller target group, than is sticking around. Now. So yeah. So I think that, I think it's unfair to be able to to paint that because if you if you look at it as a whole, the season as a whole. The early days of the new series of a whole, or it's weird to say the early days of the new series. But the early days of the new series as a whole, I think it's it's hard to really criticize. I agree. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I understand really that I'm being very very nitpicky. Here, here's the other here's the other point. Let me make this point real quick because stuff that I just saw them do on Sarah Jane Adventures four years ago. It's still in the same vein as what they did 10 years ago on, on Rose. Yes. Yeah. It, it had not an advanced any further as far as writing a tele, children's television series.
2: So. No, I, I, 100% agree with all that. And you guys know me. I mean, I'm not know who's bad, who I'm not going to harp on, the, <laughs> although there have been a couple that got the horn, but I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not dogging on this going, you know, as opposed to Dr. Who, the movie, which was a cinematic masterpiece <laughs> and well-deserving of an Oscar that it didn't get because it aired on television. Then they gave us this. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that in retrospect, with 10 years under our belts, it's a lot easier to go back and pull at that loose thread. uh In the same way that we. In that mindset, 10 years ago, 2005, it was the the greatest thing ever. Well, in the
0: same way that we go back and pick apart Keys Marinus when we're comparing it to, you know yeah City of going death. back I mean, years is, ago or it, ten well years, not or I mean just even from when we started i mean if if you we had been watching doctor who and we were in love with the series in the tom baker years and we went back and we watched you know we, and we do on this show occasionally but we go back and watch something from the Hartnell era we would we just we pick a part the just how little it had advanced in the 20 years that it had been on the air by that time yeah not even 20 yet well yeah by tom Tom Baker had only been about fifteen years.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's very much that's true because uh, the 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 five doctors was the twentieth anniversary yeah. um, special. Um, it's it's very much in that mindset of you know, like I said, it it was, it was I, the the, it, the storytelling, the adventure was back. The fact that there was this doctor and very much Everett set flavor. Yeah, the flavor was right. It's set in that 2005 era. We've got the Internet, and here's this one website. Have you seen this man? And, you know, Clive <laughs> and the conspiracy theories and very X-Files. And it's all like, yeah, more of this. This is, you know, because that's what it, 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 it's a very much a product of its time. And so when you get that and you, you put all these things in there, ultimately, I don't care that there's burping trash cans. Oh, I don't no. care that we've got bad gymnastics or plastic boyfriends. I care <laughs> about the fact that Doctor Who's back. And that's what sold me. That's well, what and, got me to the next episode.
1: And as much as we love the show, there is an element of cheese to the show. Oh, yeah. All the way from the beginning. And having those ripping trash cans and the plastic stuff also reassures fans a little bit that this is still the Doctor Who you knew and loved. Yes. Yeah. There's still that element of
2: cheese. And I think that element of cheese it is actually what works for new. It may be a higher
1: cheese, <laughs> but it's still cheese.
2: Well, I think that, that, that element of cheese is what works for new viewers. I still think Rose is a great episode to start somebody off on. Even though last night I was kind of going, really? But because it embraces the absurd, which is something Doctor Who has always done. No idea is out of bounds on Doctor Who. I'm sure there are ideas that if you if you went into a Star Trek pitch session with the moon as an egg, they'd throw you out. I'd say, no, you can't do that on Star Trek. Absolutely you can't do that on Star Trek. And Doctor Who's like, huh, what a nitty idea. Let's go for that. <laughs> the moon is an egg. Did you see this guy? Let's do that episode. Barring your most
0: recent recent rewatch of Rose, and and you've seen Rose since you watched it the first time as well, Seven I think.
3: Times.
0: Barring those experiences, when we introduced you to Doctor Who with Matt Smith in A Christmas Carol, what was your impression just going back
1: going, oh, well, five years? I, I I think I tried to – I couldn't put my finger on it, but it's – even then, it felt different and felt more of a product of its time. Even five years different, just because. Our, I, it, I think it really comes down to RTD's writing style and Moffat's writing style. Yeah. Because ever since Moffat took over, it's almost gotten more of a global feel to it. Uh, it is much less local or current time, London based. Where then. Uh, When it started, it was very much that, and so it feels very – it felt very – I kept just calling it British because I didn't know what better word to use, and I wasn't as uh, familiar with other things British at the time. So that's not the best word to use for it now, but it's just very much 2000s television feel to it that – well, and not even 2000s because Lost was on during that time, and that still – wasn't quite the same feel to it so it just it from the, in those five years it changed a whole lot and was very very different i wonder
2: how much of that you mentioned globally um i wonder how much of that is moffat's very obvious attempt to do the timeless fairy tale story well yeah with, i think that a, could be and i think we're, we're kind of getting a little bit back to that with capaldi now
1: yeah, and Going back
2: to RTDs time.
1: We definitely are. And, and now that doesn't feel as foreign to me because I'm so familiar with the culture. And then I wasn't familiar with it hardly at all. And so it felt very foreign. It felt very almost alien in a way uh, because I was so un- unused to it. I think had I been watching other British TV shows in, to- in that time, like from 2005, it wouldn't have felt weird. But that – just my my ignorance made it feel different.
2: Now, you watched this. This was not something we did together as a group. After we kicked off the show way back in yeah, episode there, one. There was no
1: Friday Night Who on that.
2: There was no Friday Night Who or anything like that. So it, it was kind of your homework assignment. Yeah, because I sat to go down back and watched and like the first three episodes. You did, you, did, you did that. How different is there. it for you? I mean, obviously, Glenn and I watched it as a product of, oh, wow, Dr. Who's back. And you're coming at it from, okay, this is homework. Well, I, I have to watch this for this thing. Now, I enjoyed what I saw. Because oh you, you, you yeah. really liked and still really, really liked Because <laughs> we had watched Christmas all Girl. of
1: uh, – well, no, we watched – didn't we all watch all of season five before we went back to Rose?
2: I guess that's true. Yeah, we did We did a lot of uh, – so, so
1: that's another, th- another thing to it of I watched all of Matt Smith and saw where the show came and then to go see it kind of back, quote, unquote, at its beginnings gave it a very almost dated feel to it also because I saw how global or less – localized it was in Moffat and Matt's run and Moffat's run and then seeing it differently. So
2: how different for you was, was, was just the, uh, what am I trying to say? The, the, the dated nature of it to well, go from, right. from five years back. Cause you, you went from the end of, or you went from Christmas Carol cause we'd done the Matt Smith stuff, but, or no.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We did, Matt Smith. We did a
2: full season of Matt Smith. Yeah. But you started with Christmas Carol. So then you went back and saw season five and then went back to season one. Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's my show. You think I know what happened? (laughs) (laughs) What did we talk about that? Okay. So going back five years, how different was that to go, this is still Doctor Who, because that was still before we had
0: really well, – no, I guess we had shown it, you some Classic was, Who too. I, we'd I was show able you able to
1: take it a bit more in stride because I had seen Classic Who. Yeah, we had point, seen you. And I okay. had seen some David Tennant stories by that point. I'll
2: wake up here in a minute and figure out what we've talked <laughs> about while we haven't because I think the first one we did was Warriors. We started you right off the bat with America, didn't we? Because we were doing the Silurian well, and one and on the Matt mm-hmm.
1: Silurians first. Yes. We, then, Yo, yeah, because we did the three. And then we watched the Warriors of the Deep. And then we tried to watch Sea Devils and didn't, the two of us didn't finish it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, somebody takes their homework a little more seriously, I think, than you yeah. and I do. and am the one guy that had already seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> How we were foolish trying to run all. Of them. <laughs> what are you going to talk about was, on the show this week? That was a lot. To Nineteen hours of Doctor Who, which was just prep work, so we could talk about this week's four episodes of Matt Smith.
1: <laughs> yeah, because then we lumped in because I looked it up on Friday night Who to see when we watched when I watched Rose for the first time, and it was in February, uh, that near the end of February, and we did all of the Auton stuff plus Rose.
0: So last impressions of or, or yeah some. L- impressions of the new series, the relaunch, 10 years. Just give me some last impressions.
1: It's grown a lot in 10 years. It's grown a lot in 10 years.
2: I mean, I think, I think it's still important. 10 years is not anything to sneeze at. And I I know we've kind of been on record as saying, Oh, we're not going to celebrate the 10th anniversary. And yay for Stephen Moffat for not sort of changed our (laughs) (laughs) mind. But well, we're, we're we're celebrating the fact that it's been 10 years. I mean, when you, when you, when you look at the wilderness years and you look at that blip, that Doctor Who the movie was in the middle of that. We had six years on the front end and seven on the back end, right? No, it's been but seven well, on the six, front end. Yeah, was
0: it? it was sixteen years total.
2: So eighty-nine nine
0: years on one end and, and seven on the seven on the other.
2: Okay, so the show has now been back longer than it was off the air between Doctor between Who between the, the movie and, and now. the rewatch. Well, and
0: and if you if if you take the movie out of the equation. We're still only six years out yeah, from how long the what is considered the wilderness years when you include Doctor Who, because you, I think you, you you have to you have to take it as a whole. Because while Doctor Who the movie was returning to our television screens. It still is that anomaly that fits within. Yeah, it didn't all technically of signal the end yeah, of, the, exactly. of the wilderness years by right. the fact
2: yeah. that it came back on TV. It was a because um, you do of, that,
0: <laughs> it was a beacon of
2: hope. If anything, if you do that, you have to count dimensions in time as oh, hey, Doctor Who's <laughs> back on, <laughs> which it was not. Um, but I mean, I, I, that's that's kind of a momentous thing. I mean, first of all, ten years. When you look at, at television shows in general, you know, the X Files, the entirety of the X Files was was ten years. Nine seasons technically oh,
3: yeah. stargate
2: s g one, which is a uh, current record holder of the longest running American science fiction television show. Thank you, Guinness, for correcting that <laughs> um, you know was ten seasons. mash ran for eleven, and that thing was on forever yeah. now obviously we're talking american versus versus British where it's obviously a much shorter season and less episodes and all kind of stuff but but still talking talking years, you're up against some. Some pretty heavy.
0: The Simpsons is in their 25th season, aren't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, you're up against well, some pretty and, heavy and stuff. Things,
1: put it in perspective, also, a six year old that sat down to watch Rose is now driving. Oy vey. <laughs> 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 they're in high school and driving now, assuming they get their license when they're 16.
0: You weren't even in high school. If you're in college now, you weren't even in high school when Rose came
1: on. Yeah. Not even in middle
2: school, now though, I feel right? old. I'm <laughs> suddenly really old looking at it that way
3: I don 't like your who. way of looking at it. doctor
0: Who came back to our TV screens the year after my daughter was born. Oh yeah, no, two years after because she was born in yeah. two thousand and three, so Caitlin, who is just now turning twelve in August, was little, little, little baby. <laughs> Lililipi little, little baby, when Doctor Who returned to the airwaves, Doc, the, the and retur- Mason wasn't even born.
2: <laughs> the return of Doctor Who is as old as Revenge of the Sith.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Was that? I'm trying. I'm trying to find equatable things now it that are that, that don't make me feel old. <laughs> Everything makes me feel old. But so you know, that in and of itself is an accomplishment that yes deserves to be at least footnote mentioned. I mean that you know it's been ten years. We can certainly celebrate ten years of that. But to to put it in the Oh yay, new who ten years, Doctor Who's ten year anniversary. It's like no. So no, it's, it's 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 a, it's a piece of that larger pie. Really and, and, and that's certainly how I choose to look at it. Yeah. Is that, and, and that includes the yeah. world in a cheers. It's not just fifty years of television, but it's thirty some odd years of television plus the ten years of new who plus the unfortunate sixteen year gap and the blip that, you know, but comics and big finish and all those <laughs> other things that, that we had to carry us, and, and my two trusty Dr. Who magazine annuals that (laughs) (laughs) that got you through poor dog-eared things.
0: (laughs) So at the very least, my opinion is, yes, we should acknowledge and celebrate that it's been back for 10 years, but I am still grateful that we're not doing up a really big, wonderful on-air television specials and, you know, an entire year of build-up to a tenth anniversary special, and I'm I really still grateful we're not doing that. But yes, it should be celebrated and lauded and acknowledged that uh, hey, the new series has been back for ten years. Just celebrated that the new years. series is on the air.
1: Yeah, in general, and, and it's that's still this going
0: week. strong.
2: It, so. it's, it rose was the twenty-six. Was yesterday
0: twenty-six, or is it this coming? This coming up? I thought it was. I thought this weekend was the.
2: We were a little early, but I think uh, with our Friday night, who, but recipe. I think it's, I think it's the 26th was the official date or is it going to be the official date.
1: That seems right.
2: Um, we're not, we're too lazy to check and find out for sure, but it's <laughs> it's this week. So by the time you listen to this, we'll be closer <laughs> to the actual, that was 10 years ago today that Dr. Who aired again in the UK.
0: So happy reg- nine for, happy for regeneration, doctor Who. If you took the, the series and considered the classic one doctor and the new series, Another Doctor, March 26th. There you go. For sure. Okay. Oh, it is
2: March 26th. Go. All right. I, I, got, I got one right. <laughs> Easter Sunday. Speaking of Easter Sunday, Easter Saturday, Saturday, Easter what do we Saturday. have
0: coming up on the schedule, Sean?
2: Uh, coming up on the schedule this week, uh, Friday Night Who, which uh, just a f- quick footnote for those of you maybe that are still coming to us new from Prominent like Comic Con and a welcome. But if you're not familiar with Friday Night Who, every Friday night at midnight, here in the Midwest, we pick an episode of Doctor Who, and it's well thought about in advance. You know, there's a well-oiled machine we've got going on here in the podcast. <laughs> and uh, we 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 watch these episodes and we tweet along to them. And you can find us with the hashtag #FridayNightWho. Just run it all together on Twitter. Uh, this week we'll be doing the first three episodes of The Mind of Evil, which is an old Pertwee story. It's the third Doctor. Uh, and then, uh, we're doing that in celebration of our beyond the doctor segments. This is the third month and we're just sneaking it in under the wire, but we're going to be doing John Pertwee, uh, and we will be watching Wurzel Gumridge, uh, which appear to be widely available on YouTube and yeah. other, uh, online locations. Um, I think we're going to treat this very informally. I think we kind of decided last week that we're just, we're not going to co- coordinate our efforts on the Wurzel Gumridge. We're not going to sit pick this episode, this episode, and this episode. We're just going to go out and find random stuff on our own uh, within that show and then come back and talk about our impressions of, uh, of Pertwee as an actor. So you can certainly feel free, uh, you know, if you're so inclined to follow along with Homework at Home, to go just just go watch some Orzel Gummer so you have an idea yep. of what we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, the find what
0: you like and, and send feedback. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or, you know, even if, if you, you don't find, like it, send, some great send, send feedback. Or,
2: yeah. Um, we'll be finishing the following week, Mind of Evil, with parts four. Because it's a long one. It's six parts, so we're going to split it up. Uh, the following week, we'll be doing uh, for Friday Night Who, parts four through six. And then the return of everyone's favorite villain as a Master Archive 2, Electric Boogaloo. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> as we'll be discussing Big Finish, number 49, Master. I think I can safely say that he's in that. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe oh. he's in Mind of Evil, too. To. I don't know. <laughs> I've done it's a
1: Pertwee all story. There's the Master there. There's I, a pretty good chance. it. Uh, a coin. If
0: it's Pertwee's the second season on, there's a good chance of the Master. If it's it
2: Pertwee and somebody other than Liz, <laughs> the Master's probably in it.
1: Or Sarah Jane.
2: I could be. Well, I, I guess he didn't have any of
1: that. He passed away by then? Yeah, I think he had.
2: I think it was after that. I just don't think he was in many of the Sarah Jane – I don't think he was in any of the Sarah Jane stories, was he? I don't think he died remember until anything. just after that. But yeah, maybe, I'm, maybe, I'm in- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe
0: I'm wrong. Sarah Jane was the companion at the time that Delgado died. So yes, yeah. uh, you're, you're correct okay. there. But I'm saying it was around that time.
2: I've done all the uh, the rearranging anagram work of Mind of Evil and could not come up with Master. <laughs> so he may not be in it. <laughs> <laughs> it may be a surprise that he's in it. Um, and then we'll get some uh, some further things further out on the website. I mean, there's another week there, but I'm not going to spoil that for no. you. We'll just leave it up there. But some other things coming up.
0: All right. Uh, anything we need to touch on before we uh, close this one? All right. That's going to do it for this week. Until
2: next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been
0: listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.